Full credit to the boys is brought to you using quality microphones and interfaces from Rode Microphones. Australian owned and operated, Rode products are world-class audio equipment. If you're creating a podcast or making music, you need Rode on your side. Rode Microphones, exclusive audio sponsor of Full Credit to the Boys. This year, we all start equal. I know I'll see heroes soon. I feel the excitement. I have hope in March, and I might share in the glory of September. Blow that whistle, ref. Send that ball soaring. Blow that whistle, ref. This week on Full Credit to the Boys, John Bateman accused of being a master, Neil Breen updates his 2020 NRL predictions, and author Patrick Skeen drops by. Welcome to Full Credit to the Boys. Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Full Credit Boys live from the Craig Gower Quarantine Studios. You can find us on Twitter at FCTTB underscore podcast, Instagram, FCTTB podcast, or one word. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at former underscore legend, or just search the hashtag massive social influencer. Uh, you can find this bloke to my right on Twitter at Sid Punts, or one word. He's a man who this week announced a new documentary on the 1998 season of Penshurst United. He sympathised with ScoMo after he too misplaced $60 billion and tonight he's wearing a new face tattoo. Welcome, Sid. Yes, well, thank you very much, former. Hello, Australia. Hello, world. I actually do sympathise with ScoMo losing a bit of cash and blowing the budget. 
I did the same on Saturday. <laughs> Dead set could not back a winner, which is unusual for me. Oh, former. You've been in rare form. I've been eating two-minute noodles all week. It was a tough day on the track. But anyway, go to www.fullcredittotheboys.bigcartel.com to help me pay off my gambling debts. <laughs> or go to my OnlyFans page, see my nudes. After last weekend's racing. We just went through your <laughs> inbox and you, and you got that email that everyone's been getting saying, we've got footage of you masturbating. Yeah. And I said, right back to him. I don't care. Yeah, who's, who's going to watch that? You can go to my uh, OnlyFans page for uh, a subscription, only $200 a month, Ooh. and see the same there. Good value. It is good value. I need the cash. Please send money. Now, uh, just as you've had a big week, I too have had a big week. I've been in a radio bidding war. Oh, you have indeed. Uh, with 4BC and that other radio show that I'm on that I'm not sure which station it is. <laughs> This is with Sats and Belcher. But uh, yes, I've been, yeah, that's right. And I've been talking to they, them and I've been talking to. Um, of with course, varied success, can I say? Yeah, it's been up and down. Some weeks you're on there for half an hour and you get two minutes of <laughs> airtime. This week I was on for a little bit longer, but I'm in this bidding war now. They've, uh, they, uh, between 4BC and, and, and sports, sports Day tonight or Sports Day right now, <laughs> whatever it's called. Um, what a great promo it is for their show. You're but, welcome, uh, boys. I'm in a bidding war and so far it's up to 400 bucks, but that's all I've got, so I can't give anyone any more <laughs> as to who show I'm going to be on. But uh, I said, you want to have a listen to this, just see if you can pick the point where the boys last week nearly cut me off and uh, yeah. dumped the whole interview. Let's have a listen. Speaking of kids, boys, Elon Musk has named his kid after a scientific formula or something. I mean, it's going to be a tough ride for that kid. If he writes his name on a desk at school, it's going to be hard to say it wasn't him, isn't it? I mean, like, if you walk past wet concrete and he writes his name in the concrete, it's not like you can say, well, no, that's me, that's the other one that's named A equals <laughs> X. Is that um, feeding him the name of the yeah, kid? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I think people are being a bit harsh here having to go to Elon's stupid name for his kids. I mean, in sport, there have been some shocking names, and I just want to go through a few with you, boys. Let's not forget from the NBA, from the Kings, Chubby Cox. That was unfortunate. Uh, baseball's had its fair share. Dick Sizzler, Stubby Clap, and Johnny Dickshot. They were, they were tough names. But my favourite, favourite two from the world of sports, let's not forget Snowskier, Fanny Schmeller, and, of course, the former boss of WADA, Dick Pound. <laughs> We better leave you on that note, I think. <laughs> Producer Woogie's nearly lost it here. Hey, uh, former legend, good to catch up with you once again. I had a former teammate who could, could, could have been called Dick Pound. Now, look, all jokes aside, of course, they're on um, 2SM. Uh, <laughs> every day, of course. The boys listen to it. It's actually a really good show, uh, Badge. Doesn't seem to like me that much, but Sats doesn't mind me, so that's <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> they didn't know where to look or what to say, did they? This is Brian Henderson. I'm Alan Jones. I'm BB Chin. This is Kent Brockman. I'm on Burgundy. The stories that will hit the headlines tomorrow. Well, our first story this week comes from the Blacksland Bugle, and the headline reads, Mum and Daughter, 19... Well, I don't think the mum's 19. Okay, Uh, I'm glad you clarified that. She's 55. She looks the better of the two of them, truth be known. Um, Still share daily naked showers. That's the best way to shower. And scrub each other down. Okay. It makes me feel comforted, says the daughter. A mother and daughter have opened up about their... Very wordy headline now that I think about it. Yeah. A mother and daughter have opened up about their daily showers together in the second season of Smothered. Um, 
Smothered, which documents some overbearing bonds between mothers and daughters, returns next week uh, with 55-year-old Mary, who still bathes every day with her 19-year-old daughter, Brittany. In the episode, the pair from Jensen Beach, Florida, are seen jumping naked into the shower together with Mary following Brittany in before washing her daughter's back and shampooing her hair. The pair are both chuffed with the arrangements, though, and Mary tells the cameras, I've been taking showers and helping Brittany since she was five. Uh, the best way to start our day is in the shower. When my mum does simple things like washing my hair or my body, it makes me feel comforted, Brittany says. Creepy. <laughs> Mary puts down the daily routine to when Brittany was a child and hated hot water. In a bid to help her be less scared of it, Brittany would get in with her in order to soothe her. The pair do every, everything together, including sharing a bed, which causes problems for Mary's living boyfriend, Frank, who now wants Brittany to move out. Or married to move out, maybe, or turn a blind eye at least. Something, um, something's got to happen. This causes some serious friction in the trailer for the show, with Brittany uh, flat out refusing, saying that if anyone is to leave, it should be him. Do they live in a trailer? No. Okay. No, Mary. I read that is, wrong. Mary is firmly on her daughter's side as well, declaring that she doesn't want her to leave, and is seen angrily, angrily staring at the other half over the confrontation. Frank says he doesn't want to come between Brittany and Mary. <laughs> Yeah, well, if I was a bloke, I'd just be jumping in with both of them. Then it wouldn't be so weird, or would it? I'm not sure. But, of course, these <laughs> twisted peeps are from Florida. It's like the Queensland of America, Florida. <laughs> Everything weird happens there. It is actually an online phenomenon. Type in to Google Florida Man, and it pops up with all the best stories. Mm -hmm. So after I watched that mother and daughter shower together about 20 times, I did some research on other funny also, if you want to Google Florida headlines. Google stepmother. That's always <laughs> around the Pornhub area. You'll get plenty of replies. You've always got good tips on porn. Um, so I did some research on other funny Florida headlines. Here's just a snapshot. Here's some headlines. Florida man jailed for giving his girlfriend a wet willy. <laughs> right. Harsh. The good old USA, land of the free. Uh, what would happen to him if he gave her a Chinese burn, I wonder? Actually... <laughs> But we're not allowed to call it a Chinese burn. Racist. Here's another one. Florida man climbs atop playground equipment at local school and tells kids where babies come from. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> another one. Florida man dies in meth lab explosion after lighting his farts on fire. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Risky. Uh, sneaking suspicion that uh, drugs were involved there. And lastly, <laughs> Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing a live alligator through Wendy's drive through window after he got an incorrect order. <laughs> right. Well, it comes this week when another story emerged from the USA, of course, uh, where a woman plans to marry her biological father. That's right. Uh -huh. The 18-year-old revealed that she'll walk down the aisle with her biological dad. I wonder who will walk her down. Yeah, will, that's weird. Will he walk her down, then go back and walk down himself? I'm not sure. Um, I think that's the least of their problems. Describing <laughs> it as a full-on wedding that will represent our uniqueness. We discussed whether it was wrong or right when we first wrong when we first kissed. She said, "Ah." And then we made out, and then we made love for the yeah, first right, time. Yeah, right, eh? Right, eh? And that was when I lost my virginity. <laughs> it ah. just keeps getting worse. Uh, after revealing, I should say this story for Two SM Super Network. Uh, They'd after, love it on there. After revealing her mother was unaware of the couple's relationship, surprise. Um, the teen said that she didn't care that the two wouldn't be legally married. I want it to represent our uniqueness, so we aren't doing a white wedding. 
Um, I'll tell you what, Sid, as a bloke who uh, hates getting invitations to weddings at the best of times, imagine getting an invitation to that wedding. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't imagine going to that one. I wonder who's going to be the best man. If I went, I'd throw a live alligator at him. F-C-T-T-B. Next story comes from the Dubbo Tribunal. And what have they got to say? Hopefully it's a bit better than that last one. Women with tattoos are more sexually open, according to a study. Interesting. Women with coloured hair and tattoos seem to be judged differently to those without. In fact, some people think women who dye and bleach their hair are toxic and lethal. Uh, and it seems that there are stereotypes made about women who are inked too, namely that they are more sexually open. Good to know. In a study conducted by Quantlin. Polytechnic University in Canada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like they do most of their courses online. It's a bit shonky, that sounds one. Sounds like they specialise more in the barista <laughs> <laughs> course and maybe you might be able to get your RSA there as well. Um, Forklift licence. <laughs> researchers wanted to study how accurate a stereotype that women with tattoos are sexually open uh, and what factors may contribute to sexual openness. But the purpose of the study wasn't just to identify whether women with tats are more thrill-seeking, but whether they exhibit higher levels of egalitarianism. Bullshit. Uh, the belief that all people are equal. Uh, egalitarianism? That's not the belief that people are equal, is it? Uh, and whether it contributes to sexuality. Interestingly... Mate, Quantlin Polytechnic University is <laughs> looking better wrong. than uh, where you went. <laughs> Uh, interestingly, lead authors found that of the women studied, those with an inking did show uh, more of a willingness to engage in uncommitted sexual relationships. Those, they also found that inked women had higher endorsements for egalitarianism. However, the scientists noticed, noted that there will be more to know about this uh, study when because their sample size was not huge. study only featured Canadian women. A sample of 814 women, both tattooed and non-tattooed, were recruited through a Western Canadian University research pool and various social media outlets to complete the online questionnaire. Uh, the study found that women with tattoos reported greater willingness to engage in uncommitted sexual relations. Good on them. As well as higher endorsement of egalitarianism and sensation-seeking uh, and relative, sorry, relative to non-tattooed women. Researchers speak critically of the findings that uh, body tattooing is an indication of open, willing, uh, open sexualness. Uh, they theorise that it is influenced by contemporary beliefs about femininity and sexuality. Look. This is a study I'd like to be involved in, <laughs> asking hot chicks with tats about their sex life. What an important study this is, former. There's diseases and viruses that we need to look into, <laughs> but no, I want to chat to chicks with tats. Uh, I was once at the Forest Inn at Bexley doing my own research, the Forry, a fine establishment. I was about 17. There were only about five blokes at the bar. It was in the middle of the day. I actually don't know as a 17-year-old why in the middle of the day I was drinking at the forry, <laughs> but there I was. This lady came over to me and said, I want to dance with you. I want to dance for you. This is a true story. The publican put a pool cue through the door handle so no one could come into the bar. It was almost as though he knew what was going to happen. The music started up and this lady, she started taking off all her clothes, dancing right in front of me. This was not part of the Forry's entertainment that day. As far as I could tell, she was just a patron that took a liking to a young bass player. It's an age-old tale former. Now, oh, yeah. I was unsure if this lady was more sexually open than other ladies that I had met in my life. Sure, she had her tits out, was rubbing them in my face. You can never be too careful, mixed messages. Then she removed her skirt. I was shocked to see. 
that she had no undergarments on. And just above her lady parts former, I noticed a tattoo. Schlong. It was in the shape of a road sign and read, slippery when wet. She also had a Bandito's tattoo on her ass cheek that said, Benno's bitch, but she told me to ignore that one. But I can tell you, former, she was a free spirit, this lady. She also told me she was egalitarian. Did she? Or Argentinian, I can't remember. So I think this Canadian university might be onto something. I never did see that lady again after that day, former. But Except, Benno at the Forry always looks sideways at me. I was going to say, he would have parked her in the wank bag a couple of times, but <laughs> I'd imagine. I'm going to say, you're, you, you believe the study does have some credence? That, uh, absolutely. Well, as I always say, and I've said on this show once uh, many times before, they don't put bumper stickers on Ferrari, Sid, <laughs> but they sure do put them on the bang bus and fake taxi. <laughs> FCTTV. Well, the Kempsey Telegraphs provided us with the next story, and that is the Queen has been styling her own hair at Windsor Castle during lockdown. Wow. More big news. Budget cuts. Um, the Queen has been doing her own hair during lockdown at Windsor Castle, they said on Sunday. Uh, millions marvelled at how good Her Majesty's hair looked during her two recent televised addresses to the nation and how a well-placed source has now uh, shown that the 94-year-old monarch has been looking after her own hair for decades when her hairdresser wasn't available. The Queen has done her hair for years at Balmoral during her summer holidays and she's used to it, said the insider. She washes, dries and sets it herself. She's good at it. She has lots of practice so she knows exactly what to do. Apparently she used to shower with her mum and her mum shampooed it. (laughs) But that's out now. Uh, there's a video you won't be searching for. Strange family. Uh, for 23 years, the Queen's hairdresser has been London-based Scott Ian Carmichael, described as a flamboyant bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure we know what that means. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, um, normally goes to Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle at least once a week to attend to his most famous client. The Windsor Castle source said that Ian adores the Queen he also, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, and I've got more to say about that in a minute. And he's upset that he can't visit her, but totally ex- uh, understands the situation. He knows she's in good hands, her own hands. Uh, the Queen stopped dyeing her hair in 1990 with a product called Chocolate Kisses. So Ian's had a couple of Chocolate Kisses in his time. <laughs> and she gracefully went grey within a few months. Hey, look... Look, I love how they refer to the Queen's hairdresser, Ian Carmichael, as a flamboyant bachelor. What do you reckon that means? He was absolutely clueless. He just hasn't found the right lady, obviously. Well, he was just given an award at Buckingham Palace from the Queen in the New Year's Honours list, and the confirmed bachelor and renowned ladies' man arrived with his flatmate of 32 years, Andrew Higginbottom. When asked what he was going to do after the awards ceremony, Ian said, probably hit some clubs and crush some pussy. (laughs) And good good on him, I say. The Queen's hair is a dead set work of art. She's had this same hairstyle for 65 years. If I was him, I'd just say, listen, Liz, just go to the ponytail and a scrunchie. Let's go to the sexy librarian look today. Well, let's give you the Sharon Osbourne treatment, dye it red, get a tattoo even. (laughs) You'll look all egalitarian. But no, she's got to look like the coins all the time. Well, it's uh, a real indication that this pandemic lockdown that's unprecedented, Sid, is taking its toll on everyone. I understand that Prince Philip has had to let his writers go. He's now writing his own racist gags. (laughs) 
Uh, Prince Charles has had to sack two of the his horse groomers and is doing Camilla's makeup by himself. And Prince Harry, <laughs> stick with me, job. stick with me. Okay. Prince Harry has let his advisors go and is now being told what to do directly by Meghan Markle. FCTTTB sounds like too many T's to me. FCTTTB, yeah, that's definitely too many T's. Well, Sid, our first guest for the resumption of the 2020 season is a favour on Full Crew of the Boys. He used to write for the Sydney Morning Herald and he used to work for Channel 9 in their sports department. These days, he's been labelled as the biggest threat to Kyle Sandlin's, although he doesn't have the same sob story. And you can find him on Twitter at Breeny9. Welcome back to Full Crew of the Boys, Mr. Neil Breen. Hello, lads. How are you? Mate, well, I'll tell you how I am. I walked outside on Sunday morning and I just had this feeling there was something missing in Sydney, like there was a hole. And then I get a text message from you saying you're on your way to Brisbane. Yes, I was. <laughs> I, um, I drove up on Sunday and I think I was the only person on the highway. <laughs> like, it was eerie. Like, yeah. it was actually quite eerie. I was driving, because I've done the drive from Sydney to Brisbane so often in the last, 17 years but wow like it was just incredible how few people were driving but yeah i've driven up and i'm going to host breakfast radio on 4bc after the retirement of the great alan jones ben fordham will do 2gb in sydney and i'll do brisbane back in my hometown and I'll either make it fly or it'll be one of the greatest train wrecks ever heard live on radio well you're up there on 4bc and uh, have you been practicing saying this Oh, there's fucking dust in this studio. You know, if it was bloody John Laws or someone, the whole joint would be cleaned out. It's just fucking ridiculous. Have you practised that? <laughs> no, I haven't, but maybe I should. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Goodness me. I can tell you something, though, because the 4BC studios in Brisbane, they've been taking the programming all from Sydney for a few years now. Yep. And it was like... It's like a ghost town. We mm. sort of turned up ready to rock and roll and went, actually, it's just us. Yeah, Where right. is everybody? There was a couple of people there. and Yeah, so there was a lot of dust. <laughs> <laughs> we probably don't have the production crew to write you a solid jingle, so I've come up with this. Let me know if you'll use this on your show. Other stations talk about the news. Neil Breen is the news. Oh, BC. Neil Breen, Neil Breen. Political leaders want to talk to the people. They talk to Neil Breen. For BC. Neil Breen, Neil Breen, Neil Breen, Neil Breen. Six or nine weekdays, 11, 16 a.m. Neil Breen. For BC. I'm offering that to you to be played every morning before the show. <laughs> Royalty free, of course, because you're a mate of our show. <laughs> well... I might take you up on your offer. Yeah, I that's might good. Take you up. I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't mind good. it. It's catchy. What what time's your shift kick off every morning, Breenie? Five thirty on air at five thirty. What time um, are you getting up every morning, Breenie? I reckon three thirty. Oh. I reckon well, you three thirty will do it. You're up, you're up earlier than your horse trainers. I am. Well, well, I'll be able to keep an eye on Richard and Michael Friedman. I'll be texting them at three thirty-five, <laughs> saying what are the horses doing today? They'll they'll hate me. They'll absolutely hate me. But um, look, I don't mind getting up early. I, I'm better in the morning than I am at night. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a poor performer at night in many ways. I just pass out. <laughs> well, you, uh, 
apart from that exciting news going up there, you must be excited that Rugby League is back this Thursday. Are you surprised that we're back this early or do you think it's about right? No, I'm not surprised in the slightest. And I've been asked this all along. And because I've known him for 15 years and in my former roles as editor of the Sunday Telegraph, doing a lot of things with Racing New South Wales, I've known Peter Volandis for a long time. He's, I, I call him the little engine that could or the ever-ready bunny. He just won't stop. Yeah. And look, there was pothole after pothole, but I knew he'd fill them in and he just filled them in one by one as they appeared. He got agitated at times. The two times he got agitated were when the players were not happy with the money yep. and when the refs played up. Yep. That were the two times he got frustrated. He never got frustrated with government or anything like that. And he thought, he thought you know, a few of them were ungrateful because of what he'd done to, to get them a living at all. And he was disappointed. They were the only times he got frustrated, but he just, I knew he'd get it done. I just, look, the only thing that would have blown him out of the water would have been if there was a huge outbreak in cases Spike, and the government yeah. shut society down again. Yep. But he just knew the timing would be that at about this time, the, the, the governments would need the economies to start to recover and would need things happening. And he just played it perfectly and he played everyone else off a break. It was brilliant. Mate, and now he wants crowds back by July. Do you reckon that'll happen? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, I think that's ambitious. But I think by July, boys, if we're honest with ourselves, well, I know we're excited about the footy. I am too because I'm bored stiff and I've watched The Last Dance and I've watched everything else I can watch. I'm ready for the footy to come back. But yeah. by July, the empty stadiums will just start to feel a bit hollow, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's not the same. We, we need to understand it's not the same. Some of the games will be weird. Some of the teams, some of the motivation levels will be weird. Mm. Um, so I think there'll be an adjustment to it. And by July, we'll really want crowds back. And let's just hope that things keep improving. There's, there's no new cases anywhere or little bits and pieces. And the economy is so desperate that they need it, you know. So I think that's our only hope. Mate, um as uh, we have for the last few years, you've, you're on our first episode this year and we had a look at the NRL in 2020. A lot of water's gone under the bridge since those days and we'll just see if your thoughts have changed. Um, we asked you who the minor premier would be. You said the Bunnies and you said that Latrell will work at fullback by May. <laughs> well, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> Do you want to revisit that prediction? He, he was good at shooting and riding bikes. Yeah, I was going to say, um, hell, hell of a motorbike ride. <laughs> I'm worried about the bunnies now. I, 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 I thought they'd be something this year. I'm worried about them. Uh, um, too many little things have popped up. You know, if they're going to be without Cody Walker for a couple of weeks, if that suspension stands, just those little things are starting to worry me. You know, Latrell's fitness, he needs to get that under control. Mm. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. There's also a bit of speculation that Wayne Bennett might not see out his contract. <laughs> Unusual. I'd be surprised if that happened. They've got a succession plan in place. We know Demetrio's taking over. Um, I'd be surprised if that didn't, if that, if that occurred. So you want to steer, you want to step off the bunnies for minor premier role, mate? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I don't think they can get it done. I'm, I'm going to tip a team now that I wouldn't have tipped at the start of the year under any circumstances. 
but I'm going to tip the Broncos. Wow. Interesting. I, I, I think they might be able to pull something off there. I'm not saying they're going to win it. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to win it. I like the way they started. And that was only two games. They did I just look wonder good. whether those young blokes are ready to play 80 minutes for 18, 18 rounds. I think they can. 18 more. Well, a shortened season won't hurt them as, uh, in any way. No, it won't. It Mate, won't. Um, we asked you... Uh, to give us one team that would make the eight that wasn't there last year. You said the Knights. You happy with that? I'm happy with that. Yep. I'm happy with that. They had that thumping win over the West Tigers. Unfortunately, boys, I think that said more about the West Tigers than Newcastle. That is the one game from round two that really concerned me Mm. about crowdless football. I thought the West Tigers, that was one of the weirdest games of football I've ever seen. Yeah. I think the Tigers, I, I don't think they, they adapted well to it. I, I'm, I'm worried about the Tigers, boys. I'm very, very concerned about them in season 2020. Well, thanks for your time, Breeny. That's, <laughs> that's all we got time for. I've got to be honest, boys. I'm worried. You're worried too. Come on, be honest. With I'm you. worried every year. I, I just think they look like a team that needed a rest after two rounds, and we've got that, so we're fresh yeah, now. Yeah, we're good now. <laughs> Mate, uh, <laughs> So you said the one team that will miss the eight that made the eight last year. You said Manly. You want to stick with that? No. I think they look all right. I, I, I think they look all right too. And I think under these circumstances, Des is the best. You know, this kind of mentality. This is going to be mentality football, boys. This is going to be toughest mind. Dealing with the weird stuff going on at home. You can't do this, you can't do that. Dealing with the fact that your coach has control of you 24-7 now. He didn't before. Your coach didn't have control of you before. He had to set a schedule. And then if you wanted to change training, you could say, hang on a second, I've organized to have dinner with my parents or I've got to pick up my kids. Or See, now that they're not allowed to do any of those things, the coaches can do whatever they want with them. I'm changing training. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Got total control over them. The mentality football of no crowds, yep. lifting, being able to lift somehow. Look, I, I've been watching the last two weekends the German Bundesliga. You know, Bayern München versus Schalke or whoever, right? With no crowds. Yep. I'm sorry, it's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird stuff, right? It's weird stuff. Do but... you know what? Do you know what, Bruni? But I reckon there are some games as in some leagues that are going to feel it more than others. And as much as I don't like to – this is not a, a shot at rugby league, but I think rugby league won't be as bad as, say, AFL or soccer. Soccer runs off that full stadium, tribal singing, flares, a yep. uh, couple of arrests, maybe a couple of deaths. <laughs> but AFL, same thing, couple of belt, a couple of fights, everything else. That, Stabbings. That, that adds to it. <laughs> Racism. Rug, rugby league is not unusual for us to have 77,000 empty seats at ANZ Stadium. Yeah. yeah. I think rugby league too, we do have small crowds at many times during the year. So I see what you're saying. The soccer, you're 100% right. That's weird. Yep. Like it's just, I just couldn't get my head around it. Like I was just watching these games going, this is just totally... Weird, but I have got a prediction for you of, of who's going to miss the eight. You go, and this is it. Okay, I'm only going to say that I say this because they whinge too much during the break. 
Roosters. The Roosters. Yes. 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 <laughs> what an outcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. They win. Trent Robinson will be great. Yeah. I think he. I think he'll. Be, he's their only hope. I honestly think they whinge too much. There was too much negativity. Their players were at the forefront of the pay dispute. Make no mistake. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake. They were at the forefront of it. Pilates is at the forefront of every whinge. Yep. Oh, change this, change that, change the other. Too much negativity around them. Um, and I think it could come back to bite them. You know, I want to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say them. Mate, I think too, like you were talking about before with Manly, the, the one team that will thrive under that, I mean, they get, they've got a new home ground, which means they don't have to worry about asbestos anymore or running through colourbond fences. And they've also they've got, so they've got a new crowd. And they're, they're used to playing in front of nobody. So I think Manly will, will work. I think the Roosters, I hope they don't work. But, yeah, I, I, I think there'll be... Well, Manly's going back to Gosford where they had their glory days as the Northern <laughs> Eagles. This is a massive advantage for Manly. <laughs> Um, you had uh, the Dalian winner is Kalen Ponga, the million dollar man. Apparently, uh, sticking with that. Sticking with that. And what do you sticking think about this speculation that he's going to get one point one million dollars? Not surprised at all. Really? You can mm. you can build a club around him. You, you can you can build a club around him. You know, kids will ki- Newcastle kids will have Ponga jerseys. You know, they'll have jerseys with his name on the back. He'll pay for himself. No, they're Barcelona jerseys. <laughs> Traditionally, they've been Barcelona jerseys, uh, Peter Beattie said. Mate, uh, you had exactly. top try scorer, Valentine Holmes, sticking with that. <laughs> um, no. He didn't no. go all right. I think he's he's definitely got one try, if not two, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll stick with him. I'll stick with him. I want him to do well. You know what I mean? The competition yep. needs good players. He's a good player. I like him. Well, as we uh, as we know, you're a very busy man these days, very important man too. So uh, Thank we'll, you very much for we'll, fitting us in between we'll, politicians and yeah, we no, will. Real you don't want to know about it. You don't want to know what I've been going through. But anyway, we'll be on air on Monday and then we'll have a – We'll just have a clean slate in front of us. Well, I'll send you that jingle over the weekend. And what day did yeah, you? Set. What what day every week did you want me to ring in? Um, I'll text you. <laughs> the, the, the show starts at five thirty. If I'm short of content, I want you to ring at five thirty-five. Mate, you'd be surprised how eager I'd be to do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, ring during the year, boys. One last thing, mate. Uh, when you got to the New South Wales border, how long did it take you to wind the clock back to 1998? Uh, not long. Not long. Um, because I mentally prepared myself to go back. <laughs> I mentally prepared. And it also only took me about five minutes to get through that border control. <laughs> Boy, oh, is that right? Straight through. Yeah. Easy. Did anyone recognise you? No, no, oh, they didn't. They they didn't. Uh, uh, but to be honest, it was a Sunday afternoon. Yep. And the coppers on duty weren't that interested. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, uh, don't don't tell them up there. But apparently, Molly dies in a country practice. But they'll get that soon. Uh, listen, you can find this bloke uh, on Four uh, BC. You can find him on Twitter at Breeny Nine. Probably see him in a live show one if we go back up to Queensland. Thanks for joining us here on Full Career, the boys, brother. We love you very much. Thanks for having me, boys, and always thanks for your support. Yes, good to hear from Breeny again, Sid. Well, just uh, like we said in that uh, interview, 
It's a restart of the season or a new start of the season. Or yeah, that's why we got him on because he traditionally kicks off our season. So we thought we'd better do a whole new preview of the season again. It's like um, a relaunch. The past 13 weeks, they were just trial games. I believe you've got a little uh, a song that you've written this week. Well, we were just talking about it off air. It's only been eight weeks or something. Mm. Hasn't been very long. Feels like eight years. <laughs> it certainly does. And there's been a lot of bullshit said in the media because there's nothing better to talk about. So I wrote a bit of a song of all the things that we've gone through since isolation began. Coronavirus round the world, NRL put on hold, games broke, what a joke, where did all the money go? Channel 9 trash the game, Foxtel then does the same, Greenberg's and Arnie's way, will Valandi save the day? We need to start the footing, I'm sick of all these stories, it is getting boring. Journos need headlines, clickbait, blatant lies, Fox Sports top tens, Gallon's gonna play again. Foxtel has to cut some stars, footy content getting hot, Maddie Johns doesn't care, reads the paper live on air. We need to start the footing, I'm sick of all these stories, it is getting boring. We need to start the footing. They're just riding shit, so they get more clicks. Latrell Mitchell at car, breaking ISO on the farm. Jet skis, bikes and guns, I'm just hanging with my cuz. Captain's challenge six again, 2041. Ref changing rules, don't know why. Refs to go on strike. Paul can't feel good, here comes hoops with a scoop. Sonny Bill, Barry Hole, fighting Iron Mike. Refs buff, Botox, Nathan Cleary, TikTok, Kite Bright hates the jab. In AFL, they're getting stopped. We need to start the footing. I'm sick of all these stories, it is getting boring. We need to start the footing. They're just riding shit, so they get more clicks. Yes, well, uh, finally we can talk some footy. We'll review the round uh, later on with Andrew, but we thought we'd just go through each team. Talk about where they are on the table, how they look. Things have changed since eight weeks ago or ten weeks ago, whatever it was. And with thanks to Bluebet, we'll also give you the odds. So we'll just do them in alphabetical order. Broncos, uh, they gained this year. Kahu and Brody Croft lost a couple. They are now sitting fifth. Uh, two wins, zero losses. And they are looking at about ten bucks to win the comp. Mm, good money. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to say they'll finish in seventh position. They uh, they don't have to change their home ground in the near fu- future, sharing Suncourt Stadium with the Titans for their home games. Mm. Wouldn't be the other way around, would it? Brisbane wouldn't have to go down to no, you wouldn't Gold think Coast. so. No. But they'll also probably play every Friday night, <laughs> so they're big advantages for them. I've got some question marks over their playmakers, but their forwards are awesome, unbelievable, yeah. And in a uh, comp that has so many question marks over it, the home ground advantage, I think, will help Brisbane. I think the shortened season may well help them as well, mate, uh, given that their forwards are, while they're big and they're mobile, they're also young for yep, the most. Exactly. So a shortened season won't take its toll on them like a longer season might or a normal season, I should say. But um, who knows? These are unprecedented times in rugby league as well. I think, I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they'd run ninth. I think I'll have to adjust that now, but because they did look good after two games. Admittedly, it's only two games, but yeah, um, yeah I think that second round shouldn't count. They'll run the anyway. top. They'll run the top eight, definitely. The next team's the Raiders. 
Um, they're sitting pretty on third on the table. Two wins, no losses. Uh, they gained George Williams. They gained Curtis Scott, uh, although he was tasered. Uh, they've <laughs> lost a couple in Caesar and Leilua. And Rapana's back again too, which is good news for them. Yeah. Uh, apparently he's still looking for Joey Leilua. No one's had the heart to tell him he's not there anymore. Yeah, poor bugger. But uh, he, they are sitting at uh, around $6 to win. No, sorry. They are sitting at about $7 to win the comp. Yep. Um, I predict them for fourth. Not much has changed there for me. What about you? Well, I think it's a big blow for them having to play their home games out of Campbelltown. Yeah, yeah that's a good point, isn't it? It's controversial. They have to uh, – I was listening on the weekend. They spoke to the club. They have to fly up from Canberra on game day. And uh, all the rules are, after the game, you all got to go home. So they're jumping straight on a bus, uh, about three-hour bus trip, they were saying. So it's fly-up bus back, is it right? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, like, where do they fly to? Is there a Lumia airport? I'll tell you what, there's some incentive not to lose because you wouldn't be in a bus locked in there with Ricky Stewart for three can hours. Can you imagine? You'd be like, can we stop at Macca's? No! <laughs> <laughs> you let that game go. So uh, I've got them finishing fourth as well. Um, yeah, but there's question marks over that. Well, the, the home ground thing, it's a double-edged sword. You don't have your home crowd there. But for teams like Canberra, that you wouldn't think it's a big issue, the coronavirus down there. But mm. no, they've got to come up to Campbelltown. Yeah, that's uh, a big ask. I forgot about that. Uh, the next team of the Bulldogs, um, not expecting much. No. Currently sitting in 14th at 0-2. and two. Um, They've gained Dean Britt. They've gained Joe Stimson. Stimson, eh? Sione Katoa. They lost a couple of blokes who chatted up some schoolgirls. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That didn't um, even make me song. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mate, is there anything we want to say? I can't see them doing anything. Well, they struggled last year, although they did finish the year quite well. Um, they're struggling to attract players as they are still hamstrung by Dez and Raylene's era of salary cap management. Uh, they haven't really improved their roster from last year, but their young players will be better for the run. Uh, they've got to play all their home games at Wankbest Stadium. Mm, which is probably an improvement. Yeah. Well, they've also got to play their away games there against the Eels, Rabbits, Sharks, Roosters. Uh, I wonder, out of those teams, who's going to make it a fortress? Like, it's a big advantage for Parramatta, obviously. Mm. But I don't think it will be the Bulldogs making Wankbest their fortress. I think they're going to struggle. I've got them finishing 15th. I think the shortened season will suit them, although... It won't suit them. We'll just suit their fans because they'll get it over nice and quick. <laughs> um, the next team is the Sharkies. Well, Might have to adjust this. <laughs> well, well, well. Mine was written uh, prior to two hours ago. <laughs> um, they've gained Jesse Ramian, they've, uh, the noodle. They've gained Cameron King, although I think he's out injured for the season. They lost Braley. They lost Flanagan. They lost Paul Gallen, probably available now. Uh, Capewell and Pryor. Uh, they're currently sitting at uh, zero and two. Yep. Uh, but they've lost more than that today. They've probably lost uh, young gun Bronson Zeri. They were thinking they might lose him to the Roosters. <laughs> they've just Roosters lost have him all together. <laughs> Look, I think the Sharkies, even before today's uh, news headlines, I think they're going to struggle without Gallon there to make up all those easy meters that he eats up. And Miss Gallon directing the team around the park from first receiver. Uh, as I said, they'll call Wankbest Stadium their home ground, but that doesn't really disadvantage them because they don't have a home ground. They're no, they're going to go to Congress. So yeah, they're going to play out of Jubilee. Up. They've traded up. But uh, I don't think 
even before today's announcement that they've got the team to go all the way. I'm putting them 11th. Yeah, I don't see them making the eight. I've got them at 10th, and I'll keep with that. Tigers are specials this week against them. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd think so. Although, well, there's a bit of speculation around. They reckon they've all improved their speed from what I've read during the week. Well, there's a bit of speculation around that this could be an institutional problem over there at the Sharks. That speculation <laughs> is purely just from me off the top of my head. <laughs> But this could be a real drama for the Sharks. They've got form on the board. Uh, the next team is the Titans. Uh, they've gained Jonas Pearson. Good signing. That's a huge signing. They've lost Michael Gordon. That's a shame. Um, they are sitting at the bottom of the table. Yes. They are two games, zero wins. They've had a bunch of points scored on them already, 70. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, Nothing's changed for me. They are 250 to 1 to win the comp. You can have 5,000 to 1 with me. Yeah, they, they will not win the comp. Um, they, what are your thoughts? They finished Wooden Spooners last year with the worst attack and the worst defense in the comp. <laughs> it's tough to win a comp with those stats. Yeah. And as you said, they've already conceded 70 points in the first two rounds and only scored 12. So new coach Holbrook or whatever his name is, he comes in. But I can't see them getting off the bottom of the ladder this year or probably ever until they fold. They strengthened, but uh, by putting Cartwright into reserve grade or whatever reserve grade's meant to be. Um, Yeah, that was probably their only good move. The Seagulls are the next team. (laughs) They should come out and say, hang on, hang on, that wasn't Zeri's piss test. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cartwright's. The Seagulls, uh, the next team, they've gained Daniel Levi. They've lost Coruscant. Um, I predicted them for seventh. Well, they're playing up in uh, Gosford, correct? Yeah, they are. So they, they've improved their ground. Yeah, well, I think I mentioned that with Breeny. They're the quiet achievers, Manly, and Des loves it that way, they're flying underneath the radar. Sitting at tenth, they are uh, one win, one loss. They are eleven to one to win the comp, which I'd see is a little bit short, but mate, okay. there's a lot to like about them. Is there? They um, they, why? Why do you laugh? <laughs> no, just I reckon they're good. Uh, they flew under the radar last year, getting to sixth place when many punters, including myself, didn't think that they had the cattle to do that. Uh, I think they'll make the eight again. And as I said to Breeny, playing out of Central Coast Stadium, it's a throwback to the glory days of the Northern Eagles. Uh, I reckon they'll be eighth. What did you say? Seventh. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon they'll sneak in. Uh, the Storm of the next team. Uh, they've gained Riley Jacks and Brenko Lee. Um they lost Stimson. Stimson, eh? Uh, Walters, they lost. Big loss, Billy uh, Walters. Future Immortal. Yep. Uh, Chambers, Qatar. Uh, Curtis Scott, obviously, and Dodge Brody Croft. There. I predict them for minor premiers in a shortened season. I think that will uh, – I don't change my mind on that one. They're 5 or $6 to win the comp. Uh, they're two wins, no losses. Um, I don't know, mate. I just think it's – Situation normal, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, that's good money. $6 for them to win the comp. Um, after their brief stint in Albury, they're now back home. They're uh, playing from Melbourne, is that right? Yeah, they don't have to move from Amy Park all year. And uh, Good ground, that too. An interesting stat I heard on the weekend. Bellyache has always won the first game of the season since he's been there. They did that back 10 weeks ago or whatever it was. Uh, Does this as Well, I think they'll be... That'll be a big game against Canberra this week, and I reckon he'll have them up for it, and that will be a big win for the Storm. They're primed and ready to go. I reckon they'll be minor premiers. Uh, the next team, who probably were the most affected out of the season stopping so quickly, was the Knights. They've gained Braley. They lost Kenny Dow, uh, Rostog, uh, Rami and the Noodle, and Danny Levi. I predict them for six. They're currently sitting second. Two wins, no losses. 
Uh, 62 points scored already for the year in two games. Yeah. They are 19 to 1 to win the comp. Yeah, look, everyone predicted big things for the Knights last year. Look, I love the Knights. I love them as a club. I wish them all the best of success. But I said it last year and I'll say it again. They're in a rebuilding phase. Whilst I think they will improve from their 11th last year, playing out of Central Coast Stadium and not having diehard Knights fans cheering them on, they'll improve from 11th, they'll finish 9th. Yeah, I think they'll make the 8th. The Warriors. Well, they won't. Everyone's second team these days. Yeah. Um, Wade Egan was gained. They lost Ageford. They lost (laughs) Sao. They lost uh, (laughs) Isaac Luke and Sam Lassoni. Um, I predict them for 13th. Nothing's changed for me, unfortunately. They're currently sitting 15th. They're 0-2. And and they're about 100-1 to to win the comp. Yeah, I think that's fair. You have doubles with me. Before the season kicked off, I thought the Warriors would struggle. Look, I don't think that coach Tawira Nikau is the right man for the job there. He coached two seasons at Parramatta for a disastrous 24% winning record. He's now had a 41% winning record at the Warriors. They're 0-2 to start the season, like you said. They've been living in Tamworth. Now they're going to Gosford. I tip my hat to them. It's an amazing effort, but 14th, I think. Funny you say you tip your hat to them. Everyone bought a cowboy hat while they're up in Tamworth. So um, (laughs) that's one thing, I suppose. They've all got new headwear. I I don't see. That was great. That was a great thing that they did. It was. Look, and what they've done, as I said before, uh, and I said on radio this, this earlier this uh, oh, earlier last go. week. Dropping, dropping that gig again, um, whatever. As I said, I think we should all um, just sit back and think how lucky we are that they've actually decided just to keep going because it would have been very easy for them not to. Absolutely. Uh, the two clubs that kept this comp going are the Warriors and the Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing from both those clubs. Um, and now the, the Sharkies doing their best. The next team are the Cowboys. Uh, they gained Holmes. They gained Reese Robson and they gained Isan Masters. Yep. They lost Matt Scott, Scott Bolton and Tamari Martin, who retired. Nene McDonald was released. I'm not sure why. Uh, Jordan Carr, who went back to the Broncos. I predicted him for 12th. Oh, that was a bit of a contro- controversy at the time. Um, they're now sitting 7th. They are 2-1, and one, the first of the teams uh, that have won one and lost one. They're $19 to win the comp. I don't see it myself. No, they're a bit of an enigma, the Cowboys. I feel like they should have been better than their 14th placing last year. But here we are. That's what happened. They don't have to move their home games. They get playing up there, their shiny new stadium. They've brought in Val Holmes and Isan Masters, as you mentioned, both of which have question marks over them for different reasons. They could either thrive up there or fail. There's too many questions for me going on up there the Cowboys I've got them in 12th as well uh, the Eels were the next team they're currently sitting on top of the table and did look quite good uh, Campbell Gillard they've gained from the Panthers and Madison a uh, very loyal bloke from the Tigers they lost Ma'u they lost uh, Tepai Maroa um, I predict him for third not a lot's changed there for me they're sitting first and currently they are I think uh, they've been moved into favouritism this week to win the comp yeah, well, around $6. I uh, listened to an interview on the weekend with Parramatta super coach B. Arthur. Uh, he says, hooker Reed Marnie. Every time I hear that bloke's name, I think of Police Academy. <laughs> Captain Reed versus Mahoney. Why does he call himself <laughs> Reed Marnie? It's Reed Mahoney. The hilarious situation comedy that ensues in that 
hilarious movie, Police Academy. But anyways, Mahoney. I reckon with Police Academy 8, they'd probably milk, milk the juice out of oh, the I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm hoping they'll, they'll revisit it. But uh, Mahoney will be fit and raring to go. They sit on top of the ladder after two rounds. They've bought Campbell Gillard, as you mentioned, and the dum-dum Ryan Madison. <laughs> There's a lot to like about Parramatta. I'm going to play this jingle. I've got them coming third. The Panthers are the next team, and uh, they gained Coruscant Capewell from the Sharkies. He dodged a bullet from getting out of there. And Tedavano from the Roosters, which was a good gain. They lost Campbell Gillard. They lost James Maloney. They lost Katoa. And they lost Wade Egan. I picked them for eight. Uh, I actually quite liked the look of them during uh, what we did see in the first two rounds. They are... Two wins, no losses. They, and they are, are two from two. 14 to one to win the comp, which almost worth a little speculator. But uh, I know you don't like them. No, I don't. They have lost their half for um, lying. Um, <laughs> yep. He's on a grade three lying charge uh, for two weeks. A TikTok related uh, <laughs> grade three lying charge. Uh, yes. So they are currently, like I said, they're currently uh, sixth. I've had got them running eight. What did you reckon? Yeah, like you say, they're two from two. But Judas Cleary, he cannot coach an attacking team to save his life. During the break, he should have been teaching his son how to attack in the uh, 20 metre zone. But apparently... He was too busy defending. He's been (laughs) hanging out with Nathan learning dances for TikTok. They will be based at Campbelltown Stadium for their home games, which is a huge disadvantage to them. I think it will hurt them. Why is it a huge disadvantage? Well... Like the Tigers playing at Campbelltown, they've got all the facilities there. Like all these clubs that have to go back home, they've got to just take off straight away. Yeah, they're pilot. They, out of there. They warm up. They walk, they go into the dressing rooms. They go out and they play. There's no crowds. The trip isn't that disastrous. It's, what's it, 40 minutes? Yeah, that's true. It's not far. But, you know, you, if you're playing those same games at your own home ground with all the conditions that you're used to, yeah, it's not a huge disadvantage. But I, don't, I don't see it as any real disadvantage to them. I'd, I'd, I, actually heard, I, only, I only ask you this because I heard Penrith people saying this this week. Oh, yeah. it's disadvantage, blah, 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 blah. I think it is a disadvantage. I'm surprised they didn't get wank best, to be honest. Yeah, true. Um, but I don't see that as any more disadvantage than, say, the Rabbitohs, the Roosters playing out at wank best. It's still a travel for them as well, a trip for them as well. No, that's, that's true. But the, the whole thing where you're not having a home game at all, Throughout the whole season. Mm. Well, until round nine or whatever they're suggesting. Could be longer. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I've got them coming 10th. Judas Cleary's going to fail again. No, I think they'll Love make it. the eight this year. The Rabbitohs are the next team. There's a huge question mark over them at the moment. There uh, sure is. Latrell Mitchell was their gain. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, no. They lost Darren, uh, sorry, Dean Britt and Darren Britt. Uh, George Burgess, Sam Burgess, Sutton, Inglis and Dewey. Yeah, um, that's a big loss. I picked them for fifth. Not not sold on that now. They're two and one. They've got the master coach there. They're nineteen to one to win the comp, and I'd say that's about accurate. I don't know. I don't like them anymore. Well, I'm the same. I want to jump off them. I think we'll run in the eight now. Well, there's some questions still remain unanswered for me during this lockdown about the bunnies. I don't think Latrell is a fullback. Some stuff happened to James Roberts, which. It was unfortunate. Yeah, all well, the stuff happened with James Roberts, Cody Walker, Latrell. Uh, there's all these questions. I don't know. I don't think Latrell is a fullback. I don't think Cody Walker knows karate. I don't know. <laughs> I if, know that. <laughs> I don't know if Wayne Bennett can get these blokes to fire. I don't know if he's still got it. 
I've still got them finishing fifth because I was too lazy to figure out where else <laughs> they would come. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's too many questions at the Bunnies. Who knows? Uh, the next team's the Dragons. They've gained Isaac Luke. They've gained Trent Marin. Um, they've gained Braden Williami. Uh, they lost Widdop. They lost Reese Robson. And they lost Jerry Lattimore, the GOAT. Yeah. Um, I predicted for 14th. They are currently 13th. They are 0-2. and two. They are 100-1 to one to win the comp. You can get that with me yeah. and some. Um, Initially, I had them coming 17th. Mary McGregor does fancy his chances now. We're going back to one ref. He said that will favour his team like no man's business. That's going to come back so to get him. excited, Dragons fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another club that will play their games out of Campbelltown. Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure Mary's already penciled in some kind of excuse around that. <laughs> Look, I think they will improve on last year's 14th. I've got them racing up to 13th. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Uh, the next team's the Roosters. Um, wow. Talk about wine. Um, <laughs> uh, Kyle Flanagan uh, from the Sharks was gained. They lost Kronk. They lost Tedavano, And they lost Luttrell. Um, right now they are 0-2 and two, and happy days for that. Um, You're loving it, aren't you? They are still only 7-1 to one to win the comp. I predict them for second. I probably won't... Wouldn't think they'll run second anymore, but uh, I think they'll still make the eight, unfortunately. Look, it's very hard to go back-to-back, let alone back-to-back-to-back. But they're a gun team. They had a very successful campaign playing out of the SCG. They were unbeatable there, but that's gone. They're all the way out at Wank Best for the foreseeable future. And Nick Politis has been blowing up deluxe. Mate, more wine than Penfolds here. He's got uh-huh. They're 0-2. He's like, start the comp again. <laughs> but I think they'll be okay. They're, they're a quality team, and I think they will finish as high as second. I'm not changing my prediction. Mm. Uh, the final team, well, the team of destiny. Save the best till last. The Tigers. They're currently sitting. Let me just have a look. That's right, ninth. Um, <laughs> They have gained Walters. They've gained Leilua. Champion. Uh, they've gained Musgrove. Mm. They've gained Joey Leilua. Beast. Do I? Champion. Great signing. Um, they lost Mahe Fanua. Love that guy. Uh, Robbie Farrar. Yeah. Uh, ben Matul- Matulano. <laughs> uh, and Robbie Rochow. Uh, I Eason, forgot Robbie Rochow was still playing there last Eason, year. Eason Masters and the old... Loyal man himself, Ryan Madison, went Dog. to the Eels. Dog. <laughs> no, the Eels. Dum dum. Um, I had them at 11th. I think they might make the eight. I know uh, Breeny just shit canned him and said that that's, that second round loss oh, was mate, bad I was for a them. bee's dick away from cutting him off when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, they might make the eight and the Rabbits might uh, miss the eight. Look, I'm always biased about the Tigers, but Madge, he's starting to get a roster that he can work with after Judas Cleary left us a dog's breakfast. Asshole. In comes, <laughs> as you said, Billy Walters, Leilua, his brother, Joey BJ Benji Leilua, Adam Dewey, I like, at the back. And uh, we've also picked up from the storm, Harry Grant. Hooker is going to be a problem for the Tigers. Jacob Little is still battling injuries. But Madge is starting to get a bit of depth about the Tigers squad. I'm hoping, playing out of Campbelltown and just 16, 18 games in a row. <laughs> Will be young and fit and surprise a lot of teams. I've got us finishing sixth. Mm. Uh, do you want to go into the premiers? Who have you got for tipping for premiers? Have you changed? Mate, I'll play the jingle again. I've got the eels. I'm jumping on the eels bandwagon. 
Can yes. you feel it, former? Can you feel it? <sighs> That's the thing. I can. I, I'm filthy. I didn't get on them earlier. Now they're favourites. Um, I think. Yeah, I didn't realise they were into favourites. Yeah, I think they're a, a, a real sniff. Um, if I was going to have someone uh, maybe left field, I still think Penrith at 14 to 1. No, I don't like Penrith. Uh, are a sniff. Uh, Origin, did you? My rough money for the premiership is probably Cronulla. <laughs> Very rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Origin, which I know is right at the end of the year now, which probably suits some teams. Um, yeah, it's going to be different. I don't know if I hate that idea. It's been forced upon us, so it is what it is. But New South Wales, it's an era of dominance for us. Go the Blues again. Top try scorer? Uh, I think Sebo for Parramatta on the back of them having a good te- uh, good season. I this. think he finished right up there last year. I've got the sad clown. Uh, is that because he's tall? Yep. Yep. Uh, and sad. And um, <laughs> Dally M, well. I mean, I'd go to bed dreaming of this bloke every night. Tamalolo. Oh, your boyfriend. Tamalolo for me. I've got a different JT, Tedesco. He'll go back to back. Well, (laughs) rugby league, the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, The biggest news story... Well, it's it's been an evolving week and it's just evolved over the last hour. But uh, the biggest news story, and I'll read this directly from uh, 9.com.au from the Wide World of Sports. Yep. One of the game's brightest stars has created a huge story in the brink of the NRL season return after failing an Asada drug test. Bronson Zeri from the Sharks has been provisionally suspended and faces a possible multi-year ban after testing positive a number of banned substances last November. Uh, the provisional suspension notice is, uh, asserts that Zeri returned a positive A sample. Well, I just won't go through it, but it's a lot of uh, testosterone, uh, andro testosterone, and a bunch of other shit that you probably won't mean, mean much to you. And things Unless that you you're won't in that be, world, of course. Things you won't be able to pronounce anyway. Uh, he was attested last year on the 25th of November. According to the Daily Telegraph reporter David Riccio, Zeri had his phone confiscated by Asada, clearly not paying his bills, uh, <laughs> this morning. Um, the Sharks have thrown out in a statement saying they acknowledge it. Um, and just in the last couple of minutes, uh, I'll put this on record now in case it gets deleted, uh, the mole from Channel 9 has said that there'll be more to come about, uh, more players to come yeah. on dirty tests. Can I just play this? Yeah. I won't last be needing that for the... four years. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I might just play it now. Um, what other want... news is around? Well, John Bateman's absolutely absolutely loving this shit from <laughs> Bronson Zeri. Uh, the John Bateman contract saga has had more twists than the Snowy Mountains Highway said. Yes. Uh, and the Daily Telegraph's gossip columnist, uh, Phil Rothfield, has revealed that Bateman and his manager, Isaac Moses, Knocked back a huge contract. Sorry, just a contract upgrade and extension on the Raiders. You added huge. I did. Uh, News first broke on Friday that the Raiders had rejected uh, had rejected four release requests from Bateman's manager Isaac Moses over a pay dispute. It was reported that Bateman wanted an upgrade. However, he took to social media to profusely deny any dispute with the club or release requests. On Saturday, Raiders CEO Don Ferner then confirmed that Bateman was free to test his value on the open market. Bateman has signed with the club until the end of 2021 on around 580000 this year, increases to six hundred next year, but potentially could get eight hundred from a rival club. 
Uh, rival NRL clubs are surprised to learn of Bateman's availability over the course of the past month with St George, Newcastle and the Dogs discussing the back row as a target for next season. On Sunday, this is where it gets even more hectic, yep. Bateman claimed his Twitter account had been hacked after a tweet appeared about Raiders CEO Don Ferner, which read... Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, let me read this. Yeah, well, Don is a dickhead too. <laughs> And I only asked for a lease once, not four times, like cue ball, Hooper, uh, James Hooper, suggested. They are full of poo, with a poo emoticon. Uh, hashtag, ditch Don. Bateman later ex- expanded on the fake tweet uh, allegation. Uh, it was a fake tweet. In Monday's Telegraph, where he said, I swear it wasn't me. I haven't got a clue where it came from. Someone has tried to set me up. Don was honest and gave us permission to talk and uh, talk elsewhere. He didn't have to do that. I appreciate it. He said I couldn't move on the dollars and that's all I wanted, him being up front. He's been straight up with me since day one. Well, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant, Former, because this is something I've spoken about before and I'm pissed off. Ned Philanders has come in and grabbed the bull by the horns since taking over at the ARL Commission introducing a whole bunch of new ideas and rules into the game. But what he really needs to do is fix up the player managers. Bateman is on good coin, 600 grand next year. He's playing down in Canberra. He's playing with fellow Englishmen at the club. He played in a grand final last year, was Dally M second rower of the year. Why would a bloke like that want to leave the club that he's at? I'll tell you why. Because along comes Isaac Moses, who is Bateman's new manager. Would you say Isaac Moses is good for football? Isaac Moses' <laughs> name seems to come up a lot. Now, for this three-year contract that Bateman's on now, Moses does not receive a cent. That went to his pommy agent that brought him out here. Now Moses comes in and says, I can get you more money. There was talk about his contract during the week of the grand final. This was Moses doing what Moses does best or worst, depending which side of the coin you're on. No one wins out of this scenario except the player manager. We've seen it before with the big four, as they were spoken about at the Tigers. Lo and behold, all managed by Isaac Moses. We saw it with Latrell Mitchell, who in the end rejected 800,000 extension from the Roosters to sign for reportedly about 600 at the Bunnies. The managers, that was a new manager for Latrell trying to get his cut. The managers are leeches. They get in the players' ears, bullshit to them. They do not have the players' best interest at heart. Fans don't like it. Clubs don't like it. Ricky Stewart would dead set be blowing up deluxe at the moment, and rightly so. The player doesn't always end up better off. Only the manager does. And the same name keeps popping up, Isaac Moses. They are an absolute scourge on the game. They have too much power, and that is an area that Godfather Philanders should be concentrating on. It's a good point. All that's a great point, mate. It just infuriates me. I think uh, if you want to talk about where the game might be falling down in areas, I'm not sure two referees outranks player managers. Absolutely. And and contracts being honoured until the end of their contracts. None of that's uh, happening. But anyway, obviously two yeah, refs is a They, is a they mentioned deal. this on Sunday on Triple M. Paul Kent was talking about it, where managers get in these players' ears and the contracts they sign are on no more money or even sometimes less, minus the cut of the manager. Mm. And players find... Like this bloke, Dallium, 
second row of the year playing in a grand final. If he gets eight hundred thousand at the Bulldogs minus minus his manager's fee, is he a, is he going to be better off as a footballer? No, no. It pisses everyone off just for the agent to get their cut. It's a joke. And the thing is, too, mate, six hundred and say say you get six hundred at the at the Raiders. Yep. As compared to eight hundred at the Dogs, I'm not sure I want to go and spend absolutely four years at the Dogs with mate. There's a lot of difference between getting beat each week, yeah. which is what the dogs do best at the moment, unfortunately for the dogs, compared to the Raiders, who are contenders for, or played in the grand final last year, massive contenders again this year. Absolutely. And next year when he's on, under contract. He's playing with a couple of his mates down there. And this is what Ricky Stewart's I don't know, mate. whole recruitment strategy has been. Let's get blokes... these blokes over here and build a club. Yep. Like, before Moses came along... Bateman wasn't like, oh, geez, I'm sick of it down here at Canberra. Mate, and, and the other thing... Money is the only motivation in it, and I know there's no I know guarantee the player gets any more money out of these players situations. Players have a short time in the game. Make no mistake about that. Absolutely. And, and the, the more coin they can get, the better. Mm-hmm. But this is on a three-year deal that they're one season and two games into, and he's getting shopped around by his manager. Don't forget, this all started... Well, it's been going on since Moses was around, but um, <laughs> but when he built the ark, Sonny Bill did the same thing. The dogs, absolutely, it's an age-old problem. But yeah, well, that's what I was saying. With but he, at least he left the code in the country. But with Philanders, like you said, there's more important issues than one ref or six again rule or captain's challenge or twenty forty rule. You want to come in and make a name for yourself and clean up the game. Start there. Mm. Uh, sportingnews.com.au. That's how you um, attribute a story to someone, Sporting News, in case you're wondering. Uh, they report <laughs> that Ricky Stewart has unloaded on free-to-air broadcaster Channel 9 after the network scheduled just three ex- uh, exclusive Canberra Raiders games for the remainder of the 2020 NRL regular season. Only three. But after the NRL this week denied the Raiders the chance to play in Canberra, a furious Stewart took out his frustrations on Channel 9. In an absolute cracking tirade, Stewart told the Daily Telegraph, Channel 9 doesn't like the Canberra Raiders. The ex-Australian halfback then went a step further, questioning the NRL uh, broadcaster's love of the code. Actually, from communication over the last month, I don't even think Channel 9 likes rugby league, he told News Corp. Look, we said this last year when they were winning, Ricky Stewart was boring. (laughs) <laughs> he wasn't blowing up. He had everything going his way. There's a lot of things going against Ricky right now, and I love it. Yes. Good on you, Channel 9. It's the Ricky we love. Good on you, NRL, for putting all their games at Campbelltown. Let's let's see the Ricky that we all love. Uh, the NRL have secured a significant win with the referees union dropping their threat of industrial action and the pocket officials scrapped just as their feud threatened to go nuclear. After a dramatic day where both sides fired shots at each other, the referees union eventually... Uh, relented on Friday uh, and called off weekend arbitration under the deal. 22 full-time refs will be employed both this year and next with the one referee system be a trial that is reviewed at this year's end. Uh, that resolution was the last big obstacle to the season re- uh, kicking off this Thursday when Brisbane hosts Para. Annesley, Graham Annesley, however, says there's no room for anyone in the game to relax if the seasons continue without further interruption. We've still got lots of hurdles to overcome, he said. Uh, we've still got to maintain our protocol procedures. We've still got to try and ensure our players stay fit and healthy and don't use drugs and don't get exposed to any danger from either the virus or sickness generally. There are still plenty of potential humps in the road for us 
any everyone wants us to get get through the whole season without interruption and they want to see crowds back and they want us to see us get back to normal that's what we're all focusing on the ARL commission on Tuesday approved a deal to be sent to both nine and Fox Sports with approval still required from both their boards uh, the proposed deal has Fox Sports remain as the game's pay TV broadcaster until the end of 2027, while Nine's deal will at this stage run until the end of 2022. However, that could also be extended. Both deals are expected to be finalised before the season resumption this Thursday. Yeah, look, I agree. There's still a lot of hurdles. There's probably going to be setbacks after the season restarts. The pirate, Peter Fitzsimons, is praying <laughs> for all sorts of dramas to happen. But, uh, I noticed he was one of the ones to first put out a tweet about Bronson Zeri. Yes, he was indeed. From what from what I've read, but he was the only one to do it with an erection. <laughs> <laughs> so happy. Like a dog with two dicks. But uh, like we've said all along, you and I here on this show, the NRL can be a world leader. The whole sporting world will be able to see what our great game is all about when we kick off on Thursday. I'm excited. The whole lockdown was only to flatten the curve. We've already seen that done. There will be outbreaks. We've seen that at schools and other places. Let's not get carried away. This is what happens. But Ned Philanders should be commended for how he has handled this. Let's get the game on, stop all the hysteria, and just go back to whinging about referees. I just thought about this. As a purely... Just being completely selfish. Yeah. That's not like you. When we... No, I'm going to ask you a question. Oh. If when we read that thing about Zeri a couple yeah. of, like about an hour ago, yep. would you have preferred it to say Zeri tests positive to steroids or whatever he's tested positive to, or Zeri tests positive to COVID? <laughs> <laughs> what would be a better outcome for the game as a whole? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I reckon uh, Peter Fitzsimons would have been jerking off either way. <laughs> That's why he's having like a dog with two dicks. Look, I th- there's a real chance that one of the players Absolutely. will at least show symptoms uh, and Bryce, maybe Bryce maybe test positive. <laughs> when, when all this stuff uh, kicked off, the advice given to the AFL was in excess of 25% of your players will test positive this year to COVID-19. Mm, they've not now, had one. <laughs> obviously, that was an exaggeration and... Ned Philanders came out during the week saying we shouldn't have even stopped the comp. We could have kept going. Jeez, didn't. So with Fitzsimons, he went apoplectic, <laughs> just lost his shit. He blew a top. Um, but if Pete Philanders had been in front of him, he would have said, fair enough, Pete, it's a good call. Yeah, and cut the interview and then slander him. <laughs> He's a joke. But, yeah, there, there's going to be things that happen. Uh, it's not actually a big deal in in my eyes, if someone does test positive, there's things in place. It's like any workplace. Let's just get the footy going and move on. It was interesting. I heard it uh, completely off topic now, but onto COVID, there was interesting. I heard a uh, conversation with Josh Frydenberg. He's had quite a big week. He found 60 billion. He didn't know he had. Um, <laughs> but uh, he said uh, that the Australian government bought two and a half thousand um, respirators for hospitals. Yep. Currently, Seven are being used. Exactly. And this was the whole thing. We were, so we're, we're, we're a little bit more home. prepared because we're further down the track. Yeah. So that's the, everything's been done correctly. So, yeah. But, but even worst case scenario, we never got there. So let's just not freak thank out. Thank the Lord. Yeah. We shouldn't be freaking out thinking that this is too soon or listening to the media or even if someone does test positive, it, it was all way too soon. This is disgrace. Well, we're it probably going to touch on that is. in two stories time. But the next story okay. is Ben Tia, who I – 
absolutely love as a player. I think he's fantastic. He's set to be signed by the Broncos after the club created room to move in their salary cap due to the departure of Andrew McCulloch to the Knights. Now, according to Triple M's Ben Dobbin, the former Broncos back rower and South Sydney Premiership stars signing is imminent at the Broncos. Uh, the big story coming out of uh, Andrew McCulloch's departure from the Broncos is that while Brisbane have been training on the main field at Red Hill, over at the old field where the Broncos have always trained, Ben Teo has been training with some Broncos trainers, Dobbin told Triple M. I wonder if the Pirate knows about this. Well, Off-contract player, training within 100 metres of NRL players, shut it down. But I'll tell you what he does know about. This next story, the NRL's... Well, res- uh, before, before oh, you go sorry. on to that, I don't even know. Is T.O. a good signing or yeah. not? It, oh, he's well, going to be on minimum wage, I reckon. But he's been out of the game since 2014. He's been chasing cash all around the world. I'll and never, got it. I'll never forget, forgive him for walking out of the Tigers. <laughs> His manager is probably Isaac Moses. He's been playing rugby for Leinster in Ireland. Leicester. Well, it's got an N in it. But anyway, the Worcestershire Source Warriors in England. Love them. Toulon in France. Yes. And the Sunwolves in Japan. Yes. He's been travelling around the world, picking up good coin. He's, what, 31, 32? Yep. I don't know. That's a good signing. No, he'll bring he'll bring a bit to him, I reckon. And, and he's, He was a good footy player in his day. He but... was a great footy player in his day, mate. And and we didn't get the best out of him. And Lee won't get the best out of him now at 31. But no. at, at basic wage, I think he, he'll bring something to them. Yeah, I don't know that's needed, but whatever. Uh, bring a good passport, if nothing else. Um, the NRL's resumption is still four days away, or three days, or two days, but uh, depending on when you listen to this. But ARL Commission Chairman Ned Volandis uh, has already identified the game's next mission. Get crowds back in the stands by July 1. I love this guy. <laughs> it's amazing. He said, we're on the moon. Uh, he told the Sun Herald, and now we're looking at Mars. Yep. Uh, the NRL, which would dead set do the Pirates head in, uh, the NRL will become Australia's first football code. Uh, and one of the world's first major competitions to restart. I believe it's the first, I think someone said the first uh, competition of any sort that's from an English-speaking country yeah. to get yeah, back on the true. field. Uh, when Brisbane and uh, Parramatta relaunched the season on Thursday, uh, yada, 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 biosecurity, yada, 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 Apollo, Project Apollo, uh, the league will watch closely the impact of the New South Wales government's uh, decision to permit up to 50 people in restaurants and cafes from June 1. And if there is no spike in the infection rate, the plan is to lobby for crowds uh, to return to NRL games in limited numbers by the following month. Um, you take the Ruby Princess out and that's less risk again. So in terms, if the infection rate stays as low as it does and nothing new is coming from overseas, the risk is going to be pretty low. So why wouldn't we have crowds, says uh, Ned Philanders. We'll do what, uh, that in the same fashion we did with the return of the game. The next test for us is once they relax the measures, we want to see the next three weeks if the infection rate has altered in any fashion. If it uh, hasn't, we'll be pushing very hard for crowds. Capped crowds, he says. We're looking at July 1. We based our return on analysis and information on infection rates and how the coronavirus really caused the damage it did. Uh, when we, when you look at it, 60% came from offshore and even today, the four positives all came from overseas. Look, I think he's done a good job, Ned Philanders, but I think he's missed a real opportunity here to relaunch the season. He should have got all the NRL teams and that big fake NRL trophy that they've got, that big 20-foot Mm. high thing, and put it on the top deck of the Ruby Princess and sailed straight <laughs> into Sydney with music blaring, uh, simply the best blaring. Invites uh, journalists like the Pirate down to report on it. In fact, we should get full credit to the boys' very own Fitzsimons back on the show. If you, We could to, ask him questions, and as he answers, I'll just yell. If we were going to recreate that scene, as you said, with the trophy on the Ruby Princess. Yeah, it'd be sick. 
out the front, would you be cuddling Latrell Mitchell while he held the flag up? Or I don't know if I've got long enough arms at the moment with Latrell. <laughs> Uh, the NRL salary cap should remain at $9.9 million for next season, uh, Chairman uh, Ned Philander says. Uh, despite being fears that the big money salaries could be slashed in the wake of coronavirus, uh, Volandis has told the Sunday Mail that they should be maintained thanks to a new broadcast deal. Uh, Fox Sports, a nine that we covered off on, will be finalised in the coming days and should allow players to avoid any wage drop. It's my intention to keep the salary cap exactly where it is, Philander said. I still don't understand why the ARL Commission is in charge of salary cap and it's wages as opposed to the NRL Commissioner. This, Let him go. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for him to keep going and see how it all pans out, but I still don't understand the dual roles there. But anyway, let's move on. And finally, the biggest uh, storm in a key, teacup that I can remember for a while, South Sydney's Cody Walker has been suspended for two matches. <laughs> this is still getting your after, gate, isn't it? Mate, I can't believe it. <laughs> after he was filmed kicking a man, I mean, not even a kick, um, in the chest. <laughs> He kicked he kicked that man as hard as you kicked the Siggies ninety five <laughs> times uh, in a street fight last December, and the Rabbitohs have been fined twenty thousand dollars for failing to report the incident to the league. That's the probably the biggest story to come out of it. Yeah. Although rumours circulate about someone trying to extort Walker to the tune of twenty thousand to withhold the video from the media. First of all, Cody Cody should never have paid twenty grand for that video. No. And second of all. We won't go into who the rumours are that might uh, were the one that was trying to extort the money. Is it Isaac Moses? No, but Uh. geez, you're warm. For the heavyweight championship of the world. This is a famous victory. Sports News. AFL, hashtag talk other games down. Collingwood President Eddie Maguire last week said the coronavirus crisis and subsequent season shutdown had given the AFL the perfect opportunity to rip all the band-aids off and implement key pillars to ensure the game's long-term health. In his bid to ensure the game remains or becomes part of people's lives, Maguire suggested the league had to consider shortening the quarters. I don't think you can actually ask people to spend four hours at the football these days, uh, going there in the middle of a Saturday afternoon on a weekend, Maguire said on News Corp's uh, sports virtual round table. Um, so whether or not that means that we should go more to Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and make it entertainment as part of an, enter- as an entertainment offering, uh, as well as the sport, uh, we're competing against movies, we're competing against Netflix, we're competing against concerts, we're competing against people going to restaurants. He doesn't mention NRL, does he? No. We <laughs> want to make it so it fits into people's lifestyles these days as opposed to what we used to have in the past, and that is we devote ourselves to the game. So according to Eddie, AFL is competing against restaurants, yeah, concerts, yep. Netflix, yep. and movies. Yeah. Jeez, we'll be happy to find out that basically no movie theater is going to reopen after all this is done. But what is he even talking about? That this was a ploy from them to get their season kicked off, that they would shorten the quarters or even go to thirds. I think I heard at one point. I don't know what they're doing down there at AFL. I thought we were mucking around with too many rules. They're they're off the charts. AFL. 
Hashtag talk other games down. Well, this is a chance for them to talk the NRL down because Essendon great Tim Watson has hit out at ARL Commission Chairman Ned Philandis after he had a crack at the AFL's restart plans. The NRL will begin this weekend with Philandis telling the Sydney Morning Herald he was at times having a giggle at the AFL over their suggestions to get their competition running again. Jeez, they'd be filthy at that. (laughs) Don't worry, it's Burnham. (laughs) Um, But Watson pointed out that there has been more complex complexity to the, in the AFL fixture comparing compared to what he calls push-ahead Pete had to organise. I don't even know if that's... How is that a push-ahead Pete? Isn't that saying, well, he, he gets stuff done? Mate, I'm telling you. Is that you. an insult? I don't see that as that's an insult Well, at all. I heard from NRL headquarters when uh, Ned Philanders heard that, he started crying. That's a bad sledge. He can't, yeah. cop, he can't <laughs> cop bad talk like well, that. Well, he said... Um, Watson said, look, I don't want to start a war between AFL and NRL. Yeah, you do. But I would like to point out uh, to push ahead, Pete, that this is a little more <laughs> complex because we're a national game, accommodating teams from five different states as opposed, as opposed to the NRL, which is people in Queensland, New South Wales and New Zealand. I'm not sure if he's counting. I don't know why he skipped over Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne as well. And, uh, and uh, Canberra. <laughs> international borders. That's kind of a hurdle that we had to get through. Yeah, but anyway, Gary, Gary Lyon also noted that the NRL wouldn't suffer from revenue like the AFL will, but with uh, given crowds are unlikely in 2020. That's all right. Push ahead, Peter's on a nice wave of momentum at the moment. I don't think they'll miss the crowds either, by the way, given that not many turn up anyway. This burns them, doesn't <laughs> it? We were talking about this earlier today. They have... Down there, they've got some kind of superiority complex that that is matched with their inferiority complex. They like to look down the nose, their nose at us, but uh, when we get one up on them, oh! Wait, as I said, I've spent a bit of time down in Melbourne, and um, a couple of times when I've been down there and over the last few years, there's this thing that comes out. I guarantee if you're from Sydney or even Brisbane, you've never heard of it, but it's a list of the world's most livable cities, right? Now, Melbourne's topped that list probably, I don't know, I reckon it's probably topped at least four or five times. Yep. And I swear to God, it makes the first story on the news. Yeah. And when I was down there, I was, you know, I'd go to a pub and whatever, and you start talking to blokes, where are you from? I'm from Sydney. And they'd say, oh, did you hear about how we're the most livable city? And I'd just go, yeah, well, you are. So? <laughs> and they'd say, where did Sydney rank? Bloody 70th or something. And I'd go... I'm surprised it's that high, to be honest. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> Everything about Sydney's a pain in the ass. Absolutely. But they thought it was some sort of thing that was going to burn me up and it was something they could hold. Mate, they are so inferior and they keep referring back to the only thing you've got's a harbour, and to which I'd say, and a bridge. And but they they just like yeah. you said, inferiority deluxe down there. Yeah. It's a strange situation. We don't care. We love bagging Queenslanders. Because they're simpletons. Yeah, that's easy. That's an easy pot shot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Rugby, hashtag talk other games down. Rugby Australia and the Queensland Rugby Union have released Reds players, Isaac with a Z, Rodder, Harry Hockings, and Isaac with an S, Lucas. Uh, This follows the players' decisions to terminate their contracts after the QRU stood them down on Monday. This is a strange situation, this whole thing. I know. Keep going. Wallabies lock Rodder, fellow second row Hawkins and 5'8 Lucas, were stood down after they declined to accept a reduction in pay and nominate for the Australian government's JobKeeper subsidy. Uh, Rodder, what have you done? Don't know how many times I've said that before. (laughs) (laughs) Running. Sprint King, Usain Bolt. Begged a British model for sexy pics two days before his long-term lover gave birth to their first child. 
Oh, what a pig. Uh, <laughs> Olympic gold medalist Bolt, 30, 33, asked Sherry Halliday, 22, for the snaps and was sent two of her wearing lingerie. He replied, you hot ass, I swear. Love it. <laughs> Glamour girl Sherry claimed she had no idea Bolt was in a relationship. Google not working. Uh, until last Sunday's birth of his daughter was announced by the Prime Minister of Jamaica, of all people. <laughs> Sherry said, I feel like he should concentrate his own family and don't understand what he gets from texting other girls. She replied. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Anyway. I was shocked when I found out he had become a dad, as I did not know about his partner. I should do my research on people a little bit more. Sherry told the... Yeah, you know, if you're going to send lingerie shots, you reckon you'd find out a little bit about it? I don't know when you send lingerie shots, you find out who you're sending them to before you... Well, look, how seriously, how could she find out he was in a relationship? It took me 0.53 seconds on Google to figure it out with 1.75 million articles <laughs> confirming it. I'd love to see when uh, Mrs. Bolt finds out about this, though. Lying and cheating. <laughs> Chasing Usain around the kitchen. He'd just be laughing. You'll never catch me. It's pretty fast. Basketball. Andrew Bogut, uh, a lot like everyone else in the world, doesn't know what the future will hold. For that reason, he says he will not be re-signing with the Sydney Kings. Uh, I believe he called the NBL Bush League today. Um, <laughs> I've decided not to sign with the Sydney Kings or any professional sporting team, for that matter, for the time being. Um, he, he said in a statement on Twitter. Let's hope he's got enough funds behind him. Yeah, poor bugger. With yeah. everything, I hope he should go on Job Seeker. Yeah, hopefully he's getting the 750. With everything going on in the world, the future does not look too clear, most notably in regards to sporting leagues worldwide. Uh, Bogut was quick to clarify that his statement was by no means a retirement note and was waiting, rather waiting for a time when there are more answers than questions. Yeah, good on him. He's always good for a headline, isn't he? Boxing. Mike Tyson has hinted he will face off against an even bigger name than Evander Holyfield in his much-anticipated comeback fight with an official announcement due this week. Wait, wait, wait. Is it Paul Gallen? Nah. Is he fighting Cody Walker in a UFC bout? <laughs> no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, who, just be who, karate is it? who is it? It was just karate. Yeah. Um, the 53-year-old heavyweight icon announced earlier this month that he was back training as he eyes a return to the boxing ring. He looks good too, Showing off his impressive physique and scary speed on social media. I'm going to take this money and help up these homeless people and we're going to help these addicted brothers because I've do it, seen... Do it in your Mike Tyson voice. I won't be. Um, <laughs> because I've I've seen the homeless and I've seen them addicted. And so I know the struggle. All right. <laughs> Just do it normally. Not many people will survive like I did. Uh, asked by Little Wayne on his podcast... <laughs> Little Wayne's oh, podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. <laughs> if Holyfield will be his opponent, Tyson continues. Nah, nah. We got many guys. Uh, listen, guys. Sounds we've got like Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, we've got so many guys that we want to do this. Uh, another name mentioned as a possible opponent for Tyson is former heavyweight Shannon Briggs. Or Sonny Bill Williams. I seen Shannon Briggs the other day too. He is ripped to the core yeah. as well. Whatever Mike's on, Shannon's on. Um, who He's claimed, been hanging out in Cronulla. Shannon Briggs claimed the pair were working on a deal to fight at the Statue of Liberty on Independence Day. Oh, America. <laughs> that would be sick. Statue of Liberty, Independence Day. You get some military planes flying over. UFOs. Oh, it'd be like a Rocky movie. That's sick. Do it. having a function or an event? Are you part of a sporting or community group? Do you have a birthday, anniversary, bucks or hens night coming up? Mayor Inc. 
can supply any custom product you can imagine. Custom-made T-shirts, aprons, stubby holders, cushions, shopping bags, hoodies, tote bags, vinyl stickers and decals. Or put your business logo on a range of workwear. Go to mayorinc.com.au. Whatever the purpose, Mayor Inc. has you covered. City of next guest is a rugby league journalist and an author who's released a book uh, called The Big O, The Life and Times of Olsen Filipina. You can find him on Twitter at Patrick underscore Skeen. Welcome to Full Crew of the Boys, Mr. Patrick Skeen. Greetings, gentlemen. What an honour and a privilege it is to be on your show. <laughs> now, Olsen Filipina was one of the original Polynesian players to play first grade rugby league in Australia. He had stints at the Balmain Tigers, the Roosters and the North Sydney Bears all through the 1980s, playing 28 tests for New Zealand along the way, all while being a garbo in Sydney. What made you decide to tell his story? I thought it was a bit of a crime um, that a lot of rugby league players have had their stories told. And I don't know if I'm assuming you've read the same number of rugby league biographies as me, but some of them are just absolutely terrible. Um, and they're not really interesting as well because you know being being poor and you know having a tough upbringing was normal in rugby in rugby league it's a great story and exciting story in rugby union but for league it's it's normal because it, because it's a working class game yeah and often um i remember going out to leichhardt when i was young and um everybody used to stand up when he got the ball he was an excitement machine but like Latrell Mitchell and some of the Aboriginal players cop now this sort of rocks and diamonds enigma tag gets put on a player. And I was never comfortable with that tag. So I thought I'll do some investigation. I went through every rugby league week, went up to NRL headquarters and went through every rugby league week, um, every big league, spoke to all the journos. And I found out that of the four or five times Olsen got dropped to have lengthy stints in reserve grade, he was actually clashing with Frank Stanton over a discipline issue. So he was not dropped for form, but back then used to punish guys um, by, by dropping them. And he, he was rubbing up against Frank Stanton. And back in those days, we just pick up the big league and you see he was in reserves and you can't, couldn't catch every game like you could now in Foxtel. And you just assume that he'd gone into a, um, a, a rut of bad form. But mm -hmm. I just remember him. He was devastating. And I remember him getting lots of man of the matches. So I thought, I'll go and dig into this. And um, you know, what, what I found was these consistent uh, accounts of Olsen getting dropped because he was fighting with the coach. And as a result, he gets this legacy of not full, having fully achieved. But And then I talked to the players who are the ultimate arbiters of whether a player is good or not. And, you know, Wally Lewis says Olsen was the number two five eight he played. Terry Lamb names him in his top uh, five. Brad, Brad Izzard, who played against him. Um, named him in his in their top five. So I'm like, well, and the players that played with him said he was unbelievably unselfish because he'd always attract the defenders, the best defenders, and, and and bring in three guys to make the guys outside him attract three guys to make guys outside him look good. And I'm piecing all this together, and I thought, yeah, there's a story. So I wrote a story in the Guardian in nine, in 2015, and it went viral. It was one of the biggest stories um, in the Guardian that year, as far as clicks. And I thought, you put. If he's that popular and his story hasn't been told, and I had no idea of three quarters of the things that were in his story, even when I wrote that original article, and just uncovered this amazing narrative and this rich uh, cast of characters, Sir Graham Lowe, Sir Peter Leach, 
um, you know, Wayne Pierce, Wally Lewis, Frank Stanton, the villain, Arthur Beetson, they're all in there. He's like a Forrest Gump character that had these touch points with everybody. Hasn't got an enemy in the game, um, loved by the fans. And I thought, I'll tell this story, but I'll also tell the larger story of the Pacific Revolution, which is now 48% of the NRL, and no one's written about it. And it's got some advantages and disadvantages as far as a lot of people are concerned. But uh, the Polynesian community are here to stay, and we don't know anything about the culture um, behind the pipeline. So I thought I'll kill two birds with one stone and try and explain the changes in the game through Olsen's story. Well, that's what I found most interesting about the book, all of that that you say about the rise of rugby league in New Zealand and especially the amount of Polynesian players coming through. We'll touch on that a little bit later. I just want to go back to the start of Olsen's story. And he started at, let me get this correct, <laughs> Mungari East Hawks. Oh. Is that close enough? Yeah, it's on the money, bro. Yeah. <laughs> he actually went to play there because his mates told him he could get a hamburger and a Fanta after each game. Now, this is a uh, small rugby league club in Auckland that has produced the likes of the Rapati brothers, Leslie Vainacola, Vainacola Ali Lalatiti, uh, Jason Taumalolo, your My favourite. My absolute favourite player. Yet Philip Piner is still regarded as their greatest. He never wanted to come to Sydney. How did that all come about? New Zealand rugby league in the 70s was in a really bad place. It was sort of didn't have the pokey money that Australia had and it they had lost um, 14 consecutive tests to the kangaroo and that's a, that's a dirty slump. And um, Olsen was part of their golden generation, which started in, in 1982, and there's three big names that spearheaded this. Olsen in the middle, if you've got a great playmaker, you can do uh, a lot. Back in the day, the 5'8 was, was, was the truly critical position. Kevin Tarmody was an absolute junkyard dog who slaughtered mm. Greg Dowling in that famous uh, fight, but he, he brought starch. Um, and Mark Graham, who was an absolute colossus as the captain. So you've got, you've got the best playmaker of the generation, the hardest man New Zealand's ever produced, and their greatest captain all coming together under Graham Lowe. Um, for me, indisputably the greatest rugby league coach of all time. Um, turned Wigan into a powerhouse. Won a premiership with uh, Brisbane North, who were absolutely losers two years before. The mir- one of the great miracles of Australian sport. Yeah, he dragged, great- them, dragged them from did- nowhere to win a comp in two years. Yep, did great things uh, with, Man- with, with, with Manly and turned players like Cliff Lyons and Ian Roberts into, in, but, you know, had brain aneurysms in the middle of his Manly tenure. Was invited, the only outside coach to ever be invited to coach Queensland and won uh, with Queensland. And, of course, turned the Kiwis around from absolute punching bags into this fearsome, you know, basically sets up the Warriors. It sets up rugby, rugby league as the sport because no one wants to watch someone continually get thrashed. So Olsen sits at the centre of that rugby league revolution. And part of that revolution was New Zealand rugby league harnessing this big urban Maori and Polynesian population that they had flown in to do the scut work in the factories, uh, working with the side by side with the white guys in the factories and the meatworks. And uh, rugby league became their game. And he didn't want to come over to Sydney, even though people told him he should. What eventually twisted his arm to set off over here? 
his mum made the, the the decision for him, and it was um, the two two key par- decisions made by parents. One is when Olsen was 16, the New Zealand Rugby Union sent the school. He was playing for New Zealand. He was selected for the New Zealand Schoolboy All Stars team, and he was the captain of the New Zealand Rugby League team, school schoolboys team as well. So he's playing both. And Rugby Union said, "You can't play rugby league." And his dad stepped in and said, the mad butcher, Sir Peter Leach, has been giving us meat for our Polynesian functions. Mm-hmm. We get nothing from rugby union, so if you're going to make us choose, uh, we'll go for Leachy, the mad butcher. <laughs> nice. So, Mate, so uh, then, sorry, you go. Um, and then the, the second decision was Olsen, um, for two years, knocking, knocking back offers to play in Sydney ever since he burst onto the scene in the 1978 tour of the Kiwis against the Kangaroos. He was the only one who came out with his reputation attack that got crushed, but he played unbelievably well. Put himself on the map, knocked back offers for two years. Because back in 1978, if you went and played in the Winfield Cup, you were, you couldn't play for the Kiwis. Yeah. You were you were oh, bad, wow. some ridiculous, absurd rule. He said, no, I'm, it's more important I play for the Kiwis than go over to Sydney. So they finally changed that rule in 1980. So Olsen, uh, Balmain flew over and sweet-talked his mother and in the Māori tradition uh, to to go and uh, meet someone eye to eye is the optimum way where you get checked out and your intentions. So uh, Keith Giddos went over there and uh, got Olsen to sign, and Olsen came over. You discuss how difficult it was and still is for Polynesian players coming to Australia to play in the NRL, and the challenges that coming from the culture brings. Tell us what the coaches had to learn to get the best out of the Polynesian players. It was um, there's an interesting part of the book where Jack Gibson. Um, twice tries to sign Olsen and Jack Gibson is credited by Graham Lowe as being his mentor in the art of personalized man management and vulnerability. So Jack Gibson would find out, um, you know, what the problem was, whether it was a toxic relationship or a leeching family member or a drink driving charge um, or someone bullying him, whatever it was. And Jack Gibson, you know, a former bouncer, would actually go and fix the on-field issue and build a, an incredible amount of gratitude. That's what Graham Lowe did. He made sure the player was happy. Uh, he never shouted at Olsen or gave him a spray because they don't, you know, if you humiliate a Polynesian, you you can lose them. Yep. Whereas whereas we didn't mind a spray. It was sort of you grew up in the Anglo Kill community, and the Polynesians don't talk back either. They don't talk back to their elders. It's changing a little bit now, but they don't uh, back chat, and so they're much easier to drop. They're not going to whinge or kick up a stink or, you know, go around huffing and puffing. They just they would just wear it. So some coaches have to realise that you can't threaten them um, to get the best out of them. You have to be the father figure. And we that wasn't – there was a huge distance between coaches and players back in the day. And uh, Graham Lowe would become their friends. They'd meet in his room at night. And you know, in Olsen's case, Graham Lowe, before he picked him in the 1985 series to play against Wally Lewis at 5'8". And, you know, he's in reserve grade at Eastern Suburbs. So it's mm-hmm. against the player who's just been crowned as the first ever Adidas Golden Boot International Player of the Year. Graham Lowe gets on the phone to Olsen's mother in Auckland for an hour and convinces her or, or talks with her about whether Olsen should play 5'8". She finally agrees. Graham Lowe tells Olsen, your mum says you can play and if you don't... Um, <laughs> beat Wally, she's going to clip your ear (laughs) (laughs) because, um, you know, it's a community, a very matriarchal community and um, guys will do anything to make their, their mothers happy. And that's the thing about rugby league stories, all the lights and money and whatever, but it always comes down to someone trying to impress their dad and make their mum proud. Yep. 
And that, that, seemed, know, that seemed to be an issue. Uh, his time at Balmain was especially difficult for him. Uh, like you mentioned before with Frank Stanton, when he took over at the club, his relationship with Cranky Frankie was difficult to say the least. Uh, Olsen also had to deal with racism and fighting to be released for test matches. Tell us about his time at the Tigers, his first club when he came over here. Olsen was definitely cast as an outsider and uh, used to get a lot of sledging on the field from players like, go back to where you came from, Uh, you don't deserve to be in our game because Sydney was so Sydney-centric. It just considered England, Brisbane, New Zealand, anywhere else, Papua New Guinea especially, as just absolute provinces and they didn't respect the players that came from there. And there's one story in the book of a Balmain player who's not named also standing outside the um, outside the dressing room, and he says, "You know, who does this Black Sea think he is taking one of our spots?" Mm. Now, if you've never felt the ex- ex- we are t- we are, as creatures, we are terrified of exclusion, and just to, you know, you think in the inner sanctum of a team that's been selected and professionally paid that you you just people would forget about your colour, bond together as a band of brothers, and try and win the premiership by being the best crew. But there was all these different cliques at, at, at a lot of the clubs. And that's the way clubs, you know, naturally are in a way. And those that get rid of those barriers and, you know, Chicago Bulls style bring together a disparate set of personalities. That's what Graham Lowe could do, just bring absolute, he, you know, he pulled guys out of jail. Yeah. It's a guy called uh, um, Nicky Wright, who was played fullback for, for And I think Desi Hasler just bailed one of his players out of jail. And the loyalty you get by going in and, 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 and finding out about their weak spots and being there for them in their hour of need. Um, the other thing you see from Craig Bellamy, quickly back on the coaches, is uh, you know he will go and visit the family, bring the family in to make decisions, go and visit the church pastor. So it's really not saying you do it our way. It's actually saying, okay, we can't change this 3,600-year-old traditional Samoan and Tongan cultures, which are, are very, very strong and can't be broken. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll compromise to a degree, but you've got to work around these uh, highly sensitive, in some cases very tough, in other cases incredibly sort of sensitive mummy, mummies boys who are yeah. soft off the field and just ferocious monsters on the field. Well, that's the thing with Olsen. He was widely described by other players as being a gentle giant off the field. And as you said, there's a bunch of touchstones with blokes like Pierce, Cronin, and Artie Beetson amongst many others. But, uh, but in the book, he said one player that didn't like Filipano was uh, Wally Lewis. W- what was the go there? I suspect it wasn't that they didn't like each other. Um, for for I've, this was the thing. One of the things I had to wrestle with. It, the other one was Olsen's relationship with Frank, and going out of my way to get Frank's side of the story, and not not paint him as a bad guy. But Wally Lewis was a very proud, and Graham Lowe explained this to me on, on the phone. He said, "Don't judge Wally. He was just a very proud guy, and for him to be humbled at Lang Park." Um, in front of his own people um, by a reserve-grade Garbo <laughs> from Eastern Suburbs, which he just didn't know how to process that. So after the first test where Olsen won man of the match in 1985 and was just appeared out of out of nowhere, really. I mean, if you follow International Rugby League, he crushed Eng- England in the season series before in, 19, in 1984 in the mud of Christchurch. He just he was man of the match. He was a colossus. But Australian really wouldn't have seen that or, 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 or used it as any sort of relevant form guide because they were so, um, you know, so, so, in, so into the New South Wales comp. Um, so, yeah, it was um, Olsen, he's 
a mythical figure. He went through a hell of a lot with um, from his own teammates, as uh, and that's the one. You've got the reserve graders trying to, um, you know, injure him. You've got a coach who doesn't, uh, who's 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 rubbing up and down against him. And I didn't want Frank to be, um, you know, I, I just didn't want Frank to be vilified. So I put in there. Really, he's a man of his times. Yeah, we were five years out of the white Australia policy. He had no idea how to deal with Polynesians or Aboriginals. So you can only get that through experience and understanding. And he was the most disciplinary coach. He'd flog them. He was Mr. Fitness Guy. And Olsen's the last of the free spirits who who who, 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 who want to. And then you got Wally. Um, so Wally's, the, you know, in many ways the same as Olsen. He hates Frank Standard. Well, didn't hates a, a, a tough word. But they <laughs> strongly didn't like him. Uh, he got dropped by uh, even though in a winning state of origin year. He got dropped for for Brett Kenny. Nope. Um, he tried to flog Wally, and you know Wally was a sort of a chips and scallops and um, Coca Cola man. He just he really didn't care about his diet. When Sydney, there, you know, you got guys like Wayne Pierce coming through who are you know six packs and yep. um, vegetarians, and it's all it's all it's all changing and getting more serious. These guys were both shy. Uh, Wally and Olsen were both free spirits. Uh, they loved scheming, chipping over the top. They were they were they were absolute entertainers. They could play sort of lock or five eighth or, or or center, and they were both very very big men and great leaders in their own way. And Wally was you know a formal leader, and Olsen was one of those unofficial leaders that actually don't wear the armband but lead in 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 many ways, and they're there when the chips are down. Um, so Wally's after the game, he's brushed Olsen. Olsen's come to shake his hand. He's brushed Olsen. Um, that's what Olsen says. Wally says uh, he doesn't remember, but he's prepared to accept Olsen's side of the story. He, he knows it happened. Mis- he knows it happened. Yeah, he was always a misery <laughs> guts after he lost. Greg Florimo said the same. He said Wally brushed him up one time after Greg Florimo outplayed him. So Wally was just one of those guys. Uh, he's a I think sook. We, just, we, we saw one of them in, um, in Michael uh, Jordan's The Last Dance. Isaiah Thomas was uh, sort of walk off the field and not shake your hand guy and they 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 exist in sport but wally's now you know he's had his brush with mortality yes and he's the the nicest guy now and says some unbelievably good things about olsen and i'm hoping once the covid thing um clears that we can get those two together because you know wally mentions in the book that he'd love to have a beer with olsen and um, they can bury the hatchet because they used to give each other stink eye at the uh, at the Anzac <laughs> functions. They used to have these Anzac uh, functions where they get the Kiwis and whatever together and they used to stand at opposite end of the room and no one would make the first move like a sort of couple of shy kids at a blue light disco. Well, I, I know that you're saying that you don't want to uh, be down on Frank Stanton and you wanted to get his point of view, but when you read the book, they made Olsen play three games in five days, the midweek cup, the test match, and then the game on Sunday for the Tigers. Uh, I know you've got to man manage a bit better than back then in the day, but that, that seems like they were coming down a little too hard on him. There's some stuff in there. I mean, they've learnt now. You don't put props through the same training as you put your wingers through. But back then, they used to flog them. So they're, they're all their knees, and, and Wayne Wiggum says it in the book, all the old players' knees are gone. Yeah. Um, so it just goes to say you've really got to have customised man management you know, and you've got to have customised training where the props should do their little short nuggety runs, a bit like you back in the Penshurst RSL days, just <laughs> doing your dirty yards, Sid. Um, and then you've got the more expansive, the sprinters, the pretty boys, who should be doing sort of length of the field stuff and jinking and sidestepping. And, you know, you should never be teaching Glenn Lazarus to sidestep. <laughs> Mate, um as you said before, it's a very matriarchal uh, uh, trying to say culture culture over culture. there. Yeah, um, and Olsen's mother told him never to fight, and his father 
told him fighting would bring shame to his family. And it was a policy it was very hard to follow, but he did do it, except for one day where he slipped up against uh, Parramatta and Paul Taylor. What happened there? Yeah, it's interesting that his father was, uh, they say he was a bit of a Jake the Musk character. Everyone was scared of his father. He was sort of would go into one of those beer barns and, you know, too much weight, not enough speed work. <laughs> so it's a bit of a feared character. So for the father to say not fight brings shame to the family name means that back then I think there was some serious stereotypes of, of Maori and Polynesians as basically menial worker, heavy lifters, and a lot of them were bouncers um, in bars, as you know a lot of a lot, a lot of them are now. The guys doing for, for spare cash, but just they bring size and presence to to to, 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 to doors. And it's um, he basically said his mother said, "Don't do it. You you really are the first of the televised era." There had been some Polynesian players before, but Olsen was the first big time the Sorensons went over, but they weren't visibly Polynesian. They're half Viking, half half mm. Tongan. It's quite the quite the mix, and that's why he was <laughs> he played like a berserker. Um, <laughs> and um, Olsen knew how to handle he'd been in fights before. People had picked him because, you know, at Bull Rush, there's always some 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 somebody comes in with the car law clothesline, <laughs> as they used to call it. <laughs> And you know, push comes to shove, and so he's he'd been in a few um, few, few scraps himself, and everyone says he knows knows how to handle himself. But he promised his mother he wouldn't fight because people will just see that um, that if he retaliates, you're going to give your your community a bad name. And you saw it with the Jackie Robinson story, where he promised that he wouldn't retaliate even if people slid into the base. Uh, studs up and you know no matter what happened he was supposed to turn the other cheek because you can have one well-behaved person that doesn't perpetuate or start a new stereotype of people that can't handle it or have a weak fuse um you know he's easily provoked um that was seen back then as a compromise to your professionalism and you weren't up to it so he had to just take it but he would like and michael jones the sir michael jones the rugby the ice man the new, new zealand all blacks uh absolute legend he um he was the same they used to rub his head in the ground and whatever and he said i'll get you back legally Olsen would put big shots on people yeah. and he'd take their number and that's he would try and get them back as so he's there the anger's there but um some of these um polynesian um community members pretty much will do whatever their parents say it's a very tight ancient system that's right that uh, and if your mother says don't do it or your mother says sign here i think it was um um, for feeder for Brisbane, they're basically waiting for his parents to approve the contract. Um, they're absolutely central um, in it's a, it's a it's a form of internal family socialism, where um, you know it all get, all the all the funds come in and they get sort of flattened out amongst the family, and someone gets a kidney transplant and someone goes to a private school, and um, it's pretty amazing when it works well. Mm. Um, it's not it's not so amazing when you have someone like Olsen's father who squandered all of Olsen's earnings. Olsen would send, send all of his money home, and like a lot of um, Polynesians do, and they lived, you know, he lived. Gary Freeman, you know, used to joke they only had one pair of shorts. Um, <laughs> at one stage, and Olsen used to say they could, they, no one ever made shorts big enough for him. Because <laughs> he used to have 48 shorts, besides 48 shorts apparently, if he'd come back from a, uh, a hearty eating off season. <laughs> Massive thighs. Uh, his mum, Sissy, was a, obviously a massive influence on her and she was a bit of a mum around town looking after all the boys. Uh, tell us a couple of stories about her. 
Well, she's part of a, a, a tradition um, of incredibly strong Māori um, women. And she came from Northland, the Napui tribe in, in Northland. And the Napui are, are famous um, as diplomats. They basically um, signed the, um, the Treaty of Waitangi. But they also, no one talks about this uh, in New Zealand. It's pretty embarrassing. In four, there's a, there a, a conflict called the Northern Wars where the Brit, Britain went up to fight against the Napui. And the Brit, Britons got their ass handed to them. <laughs> um, in one battle, you know, 114 guys got slaughtered because they used to build these unbelievable forts where you'd get past the first line of, wouldn't you think, oh, this is great. And then they just lured, like cattle, they'll lure you in and then thrash you because they learned how to use muskets. Oh, they yeah, right. Good. they traded. They tra- they were great traders. They actually kept Port Jackson, the port of Sydney, as it was called back then, alive. When they ran out of food, they would send lamb and flax and various things over. So this, this was a highly advanced, shrewd, and capable group of people. But they they love fighting. So when they fought, it was like a rugby league game. They would sort of line up against each other, and two guys would come out with those sort of big, dirty round clubs, and they would just crack each other until someone's um, shoulder went. And it was like they had a schedule. They'd say, in two weeks' time, we're going to meet over there. And then they had off-season where they all went and um, dug up the sweet potato. <laughs> so, so, so rugby league has slotted right in there up in, uh, up, up in Northland. And they've actually got their own, in true rugby league rebel style, they've got their own breakaway league called the Tai Tokarau League. And that's eight teams who weren't getting enough love from Whangarei in the south, the big capital in the south. And they've done a northern breakaway, just like the northern Englishmen broke away from the southern Englishmen who weren't give, giving them enough love and respect. So there's a rogue league up there outside the system. Wow. And she, so she comes from absolute hardcore. It's a place called Kaiko here, a um, tiny little place um, up to three hours north of Auckland. Well, that's where Olsen was born, under a cabbage tree. And um, they, came, they came down. So she's hard. She meets Olsen's father up there. Who was part of these? There used to be these roving gangs of Samoan, not colour gangs, but gangs of brush cutters and people that would do fencing and um, do various odd jobs clearing the land. And he was part of that. And they locked eyes one night and got married. And uh, the five, six Filipino boys uh, came out and they all moved down to, to Auckland. And the mother settled in there and she would voraciously, she would attack referees. There's one story of where she <laughs> came in after a game and was chasing the referee around the table. <laughs> and one guy in the book says she moves, she moves very fast for a big woman. She's one of those. <laughs> and another time, another guy, you know, I think I've mentioned it before, another guy was at Ellerslie. I mean, Ellerslie was, was giving Olsen stick the whole time. She went over and told him to shut up and he told her where to go. Um, and she knocked him cold, just a, just a good old-fashioned crisp straight right. Jesus. Hey, and Olsen um, was watching. What, what, was, Olsen's watching this in the field like, oh, my God, I'm trying to get a footy here. Mate, it's a fascinating read. I, I, and I just want to go back on what we're talking about with the, the culture of the Polynesians. Both Sid and I have Polynesian mates, and the, w- w- I want to go fast forward now to 2020. You've got to take your hat off, and once you are, once you hang around with the Polynesians, you understand a little bit more about how important family and everything is, and what the Warriors have done, and what they've sacrificed to keep this competition running this year. I think we'll be talking about it for a long time after, Patrick. Do you think that's a fair point? I have. I'm so my my history was I was a Balmain Tiger originally. My grandmother lived in Lilyfield, and I used to go down to Leichhardt, so I fell in love with the magic. 
of the Leichhardt experience. And then I met Steve uh, Mortimer in, in a pub in Wagga, Wagga. Yep. And um, Play he, talked board. For, he talked to me for <laughs> half an hour. And yeah, it was, it was the pre-shuffleboard days. So he's, you know, <laughs> he, had a, he had a clear mind. He was able, and he, he must have spoken to me for half an hour. And I just thought that's the most amazing experience ever. But since I've started researching for this book, I've fallen in love with the Warriors. Yeah. Because I put the Warriors, the Warriors are in there as one of the legacy pieces of the team of 85, gave New Zealand Rugby League enough respect with Australia that it, it set the seeds for, you know, a, a New Zealand to have its own team, which is, you know, and they, they, they find spectacular ways to lose. Um, they play a slightly different brand of football, which some people deride, but other people, when it's on, it's just the most exciting stuff. They really prize big hits. You, you you feel they're the team that were hurt the most by dropping the shoulder charge. They just love that because it was like their old bull rush. Bull rush in yep. New Zealand is not sort of gaily running through each other. It is full on high velocity shoulder charges. Yeah, you talk a lot about that in the book. I didn't realise that bull rush was a international sport and <laughs> how important it was to those guys. Growing well, up. if if you think it more, if you think about it, it's the most democratic game of all. The yeah. person you hate the most is uh, is going to be standing by your side and you're chumly once you both get caught. <laughs> but the best thing was absolute revenge of the nerds. You could yep. pile on the bully dra- fiver you could drag him down Lord of the Flies style and beat the <laughs> crap out of him anonymously and get three or four punches in on the bully, which is, you know, <laughs> quite a, quite quite appealing in revenge back in the day. Sounds like good times. Mate, uh... <laughs> so nostalgic. I'm getting misty. <laughs> Mate, not only does the book talk not only does the book talk about the life and times of Olsen, it discusses the rise of rugby league out of New Zealand and especially Auckland from the sixties and the lengths that Union will go to to try and stop it. Um, I'll, I'll briefly touch on that before we finish up because I think that's an important part of the book, mate. Rugby Union and and some of the tactics used to try and destroy rugby league. It's an amazing thing since the very start. I mean, you have to look at uh, rugby. Union rugby league being the unwanted bastard child of it's like a medieval the bastard child disappears into the peasants' village and comes back strong with his own army um, and just sort of harasses them guerrilla warfare style and they've they've crushed them in Australia because it's stayed a hooray Henry game with low participation yep and you always feel with rugby union like the Vikings used to say. You know, if you want to capture the island, you have to burn the boats. So you've got no plan B. You can't get back on there and skulk back to Denmark. Nice. And, and, <laughs> and not, not uh, quite you the art feel of war, like but Pocock it's... would be happy looking at the rhinos than playing for the wallabies. It's like uh, it doesn't have to, because if you don't have the working class in there, and if it's, if it's, doesn't, if it's not representative of all of society, it becomes aligned with a certain uh, line of thinking and you can always just go off and become a stockbroker in rugby union but a lot of league guys have you know, option b's back on the wharves or back on the uh back on the tools or you know fixed income for the rest of your life you really get the feel this is their one lottery chance and you just get higher passion which makes it more authentic so uh, union over there is like league over here they actually have made a real effort to reach the maori and um and pacific communities although the sort of white protestant um you know, waspy style, rural, you know, game of the open fields of New Zealand still emerges and is the overriding identity. Um, They have tried it on every level to crush rugby league. The stories about um, denying them grounds, um, 
getting caned, kids getting caned for – it was only – rugby league was only allowed in the schools in 1973. It had Jesus. actually been successfully kept out of schools. Jesus. And they had that old thing if you had one game of league back before 1995, you had one game of league or even consorted with league people, You're you out. were banned from playing r- r- rugby union forever. So anyone that has any sympathy for rugby union in Australia, um, fear not because if, <laughs> if league had if league hadn't won a significant chunk of the middle class and had the poking machines and become a powerhouse, they would be trying to crush rugby league like a wormy apple. It, yeah. it really is a fascinating part of the book. Uh, it's a great read. I haven't been able to put it down. We're going to give away a copy to one of our full credit to the boys members, but not till I finish it. Uh, <laughs> I've still got about 60 pages to go. It's a great read. Like we said, buy the book. It's called The Big O, The Life and Times of Olsen Filipina. It's not only about Olsen, it's also about rugby league and the importance of it in the Polynesian community, but just the importance of it uh, in, in uh, the general community as well. You can. Uh, where can you find it, mate? All good bookshops yeah. and some bad ones? All, all, or? all good bookstores. It'll be in Dimix and, and various uh, bookstores, but the website is www.thebigo.kiwi. Beautiful, mate. And you can find this bloke on Twitter at Patrick underscore Skeen. Thanks for having a chat with us, Patrick. It was awesome. Thanks, gentlemen. Thrilling. Do you need electrical work done? NDF Electrical provides expert service and advice on a wide range of commercial and residential projects. With over 23 years experience, NDF Electrical have you covered for all your electrical needs from the Gold Coast, Tweedheads, Byron Bay and everywhere in between. For a free quote, go to ndfelectrical.com.au. NDF Electrical. Yes, from the greatest electrical company in all the world to the greatest podcasting segment in all the world. It's time for this. Yeah, it's time for Grab and Mirrors. Don't forget you can uh, put in your nominations for Grab and Mirrors by replying to my first tweets around about 7.30 on a Tuesday. Tuesdays uh, only. And then there's a backup tweet around 3.30 on a Tuesday. Tuesdays only. Uh, Bronson Zeri gets a fair start this week. I would <laughs> as imagine. You'd imagine. He would. But uh, before we crack into the Zeri gear, let's uh, have a go at mine. Yeah, go for it. Grab a mirror, Hugh Morris. Who's Hugh, Hugh Morris? Magnificent bastard. Now, I want you to know this is great, and I'm going to give you some audio. But okay. while many POMs have uh, enjoyed the glorious weather for the past few days, which has seen thousands of people flocking to beaches and beauty spots, despite the ongoing coronavirus unprecedented lockdown, poor old Hugh is a crane driver in Dorset in the UK, and he's identified as an essential worker during these unprecedented pandemic times. Yep. Uh, now, right now, Hugh is working, I don't know about right now, but uh, he's working on a site constructing a new apartment block in Dorset. Now, obviously, he's a crane driver. There's a lot of downtime where you're just sitting around and waiting. So over the past few days, while perched up high in his office, uh, Hugh has had a time to look around and look into the backyards of the houses near his building site. Um, Good on him. And in that past week, Hugh noticed a bloke laying nude in his backyard trying to get a good all-over suntan. Yeah. So with time on his hands and a good sense of humour, Hugh has spent the past five very sunny working days 
moving and positioning his crane in order for it to cast a shadow over the old mate <laughs> who's clearly ignoring the old slip-slop slap message. That's fantastic. Now, a video posted on Twitter uh, shows the sunbather lounging on a pink towel on a patch of grass with the operator moving his crane to uh, block out the poor bloke's son. <laughs> now, speaking to a colleague on a walkie-talkie, the crane operator, Hugh, um, laughs as he says, I'll put the shade on this geezer. You look. He's moving, Fred. I'm filming it. I'm filming it. Look, he's getting up because I've blocked him in the shade. As soon as he moves, I'm going to move the block. Look, he's moving out of the shadow. What a plonker. <laughs> I'm going to move my block now. I bet he goes and complains. As soon as he lays down, I'm going to move it. <laughs> That's awesome. The crane operator breaks into hysterics as the sunbather picks up his towels, towel and moves into a new position, enjoying approximately 30 seconds of unspoiled sun before he's covered in shade again by the construction worker. I'll slip the audio in here, uh, Sid. Uh, if you want to hear a bloke having a good time at work, then strap yourself in for this. Look, 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 look. I'll put the shade in his geezer, look. He's looking up. He's going to move. Oh, he's moving, Fred. He's moving. I'm filming it, I'm filming it. Look, he's getting up and moving because I've blocked his shade. Watch this, Fred. As soon as he moves, I'm going to move the block out of the way. Look, watch. Yeah, look, he's moving. He's moving, he's moving. Look, he's moving. I'm videoing it, mate. I'm videoing it. <laughs> he's moved out of the shadow. <laughs> what a plonker. I'm going to move my block back. Watch this. I bet he goes and complains, though. Watch. As soon as he lays down. <laughs> he's moved, he's moved, I've got it all on film, what is it? I'm coming over. He's gonna know it, he? Yeah, Get in the move again. <laughs> so in these unprecedented times, Sid, grab a mirror, Hugh Morris, you magnificent bastard. This and the Post Malone Nirvana concert on YouTube are about the only two good stories to come out of this whole COVID cock-up. Absolutely. Equal. Ten. At Deep Longstop says, grab a mirror, at the NRL, put a minute. Good. As it looks like you may actually get this going, which is a disaster for irrelevant list makers across the land. How will I know what some nerd thinks is the top 17 left-handed centres who use black laces and have a six in their postcode? Hashtag, did you, mate? Hashtag, no one asked. I wonder in years to come if we'll remember this as the COVID-19 shutdown or the, the time when Fox did all these top <laughs> 10 lists. Equal... At Troy T. Wright says, Grab a mirror, Asada. You take a sample in November and it takes six months to determine, and then you release the result. Glad you aren't in charge of testing for the Rona, or the patients would be stiff in the morgue before you figure out what was wrong with them. Hashtag Jerry Baby. Hashtag Up Up Cronulla. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Uh, Sherry, I think the article came out this morning that Sherry was a Good, uh, what do you call oh, it? He uh, proved his sprint times beyond belief, they reckon. Yeah, that was the other one where he was worried that he might have had COVID-19 and would have ruined the season. What do you do for some COVID-19? Oh, yeah. yeah. Ten. At Massive Loser Guy. Oh, don't be hard on yourself, bro. 
No, I'm seeing the photo. It's fair enough. Oh. Hashtag grab a mirror at former underscore legend and at Sid Punts. You big loser guy. <laughs> I can't wait for the footy to come back, but if the first forward that gets 41 tackles, 188 <laughs> running metres, a try assist and a tackle bus doesn't get me out of the match, then I'm going to explode. Yeah, I wonder how many people picked up on that. Has- uh... Hashtag quality stats. Hashtag can't wait. Hashtag buzzers a flog. Hashtag so is Kenny. It was the same stats for everyone except Paul Gallon and a couple <laughs> of other people that we were picking on. Oh, man didn't notice. I wonder if Beer Boy noticed. <laughs> Equal. Equal. Ten. Just thinking about Beer Boy. Yeah. He's led with the front foot today after this Bronson Zeri stuff. He's probably doing it tough. At Juan Farquhar says, hashtag grab a mirror. Bronson Zeri. Hey, Wani. Normally players get into strife around the time the Roosters want to offload them rather than when Nick wants to yes, sign them. Yes, yes. Guessing he rejected the brown bags. Perhaps Mal needs to freelance with his hashtag culture. Good point. Ten. Equal a, ten. <laughs> this, is a, this is a double header, this one. Okay, hit me. Um, at NRL for breakfast. Um, says, hashtag grab a mirror of the word contactless. Mm-hmm. From my pizza company to Bingley, contactless this, contactless that. When the pubs reopen, I've told the missus I will be contactless for three days. Absolutely. Hashtag coivered buzzwords. Hashtag pubs. Hashtag bender. Hashtag leave phone at home. To which... I'll at, meet you at Oatly Pub. At FLHR 101's writes, my missus wants contactless sex now. What a tale of two different people <laughs> right there. Nine. Yes. At Zane Paisley. Hey, Zane. I've got a feeling I know Zane's brother. Yeah. It might be. Okay. Um, hashtag grab a mirror, Peter Volandis, letting our Warriors sign loan players from Canterbury Cup this season. Our first team couldn't beat the North Sydney Bears in the NRL at nines, in brackets. Roosters' second team. Yes, it was their second team. While the Roosters were away playing St. Helens. Yep. Way to kick us while we're already down. It's a good point. But we're all backing them in. <laughs> Second team. Eight. Uh, at Real Matt Pope says, grab a mirror at the Wentworth Penrith, which is the newspaper out that way. Okay. Your tribute to Peter Volan is including a poster, the man who has put rugby league on our idiot boxes before those no-hopers at the rug sweepers, is magnificent and will be sure to rustle a few jimmies. You <laughs> magnificent bastards. Hashtag talk other games down. Hashtag look over there, not over here. Worst poster ever, I've got to say. Seven. Just when you thought home blokes was gone. Uh, at time, <laughs> underscore taken, underscore up. Peter Volandis, grab a rear view mirror and catch a glimpse of Gary Lyon and Peter, uh, Jeff Kennett flaying in your wake. Yep. Just July 1st, get a ticket, see you at the footy boys, hashtag grab a mirror, hashtag GAM. 100%. Six. At Eels, TCT, the Cumberland Throw, says grab a mirror, the Parramatta Eels hype train. I mean, sure, we knocked over the dogs and big Mal's Titans, but to suddenly be short price favourites to go back to back in 20 and 21 is a little rich. 34 years is a long time, so maybe pump the brakes a little. Hashtag give us your, our ninth trophy back, please. No, I disagree, Cumberland Throw. I feel like this is your year. Can you feel it, former? I can. Here come Parramatta. Um, what one are we up to now? This one? Five. I think so. <laughs> Let's see. See how it works out in the wash. At Mark Johnson 2430 says, Grab a mirror and be proud, NRL, for exploring all possibilities for lowering expenses and increasing income by way of asset sales in these unprecedented times. I feel like there's a butt coming. And accolades to full credit the boy's very own, Jamie Soward, for buying Todd Greenberg's beard and proudly wearing it. <laughs> Four. 
at Common Fear. Grab a mirror and me. Apparently telling my wife she has her first grey hair and then calling her a silver fox is not the best way to get a root. Not a good idea. Contactless it'll be. <laughs> Hashtag no forehead kisses. Hashtag blue balls. <laughs> Hashtag no chance. Hashtag self-love. Hashtag no skin left. Yeah, that's a little bit too much information. Can I have a go now? No, I have a week off. No, I'm going to have a go. Oh, okay. Listen up, former. Church sues Zoom after hackers stream gay porn <laughs> during virtual Bible study class. What a fantastic <laughs> headline this is. There's not enough happening in that, is it? You say it's a bit wordy. I love every word in that. A church group in the US of A has had an unfortunate incident on Zoom recently. As they turn to technology to spread the good word in these unprecedented times, former, the Philistine Evangelistic <laughs> Deacons of Sacramento, or pedos for short, they were gathering together for a Zoom meeting, hosting a reading from the good book to anyone that wanted to log on and waste an hour of their precious time listening to batshit crazy stories. Scamo, did he jump on? Well, the tech-savvy brother in charge of proceedings, brother Pat McGroin, said he was appalled when images of gay porn were beamed onto the screen in the bottom left corner of the Zoom meeting by someone who got the address for the meeting from a Facebook post. A witness to the meeting, a Cardinal George Pell, <laughs> said to his parole officer during the week that after watching the filth for around 45 minutes, he had to excuse himself from the meeting and run to the bathroom. The church is now suing Zoom for unspecified damages, but has said it will not stop them hosting meetings online to spread the good word in these unprecedented times. After news of this meeting spread around the church community, 7,000 priests from all around the world have RSVP'd for the next one. And the church group says they will continue to advertise the Zoom address on social media despite this unfortunate incident. In fact, not only will the address be announced on Facebook, but also Grinder. So grab a mirror, you magnificent bastards that hacked this meeting. You are the ones truly doing God's work. Three. At Outrage underscore meter. Grab a mirror, Bronson Zeri. Put him in it, at yeah. B Zeri. I'm not sure that he'll be looking on Twitter at the moment. <laughs> Drug taking at the Cronulla, at Cronulla Sharks, put him in it, is so 2011. Hashtag grab a mirror, hashtag new controversies, please. Hashtag coke anyone, hashtag pee in a cup. <laughs> Two. At Ben Pugsley. Hashtag grab a mirror, health minister, at Greg Hunt MP. Put him in it. Good, good. For not getting Ned Volandis to lead the Corona Task Force. Not only would Ned have announced COVID ceases, ceases last Thursday, he would have fired anyone that disagreed with him, had those lab-coated nerds working on solutions 24-7, while Pete Kent praised him. I totally agree with all of that, and he should have sailed straight under the Harbour Bridge on the Ruby Princess, <laughs> blaring some of those NRL themes we played at the top of the show. He can do no wrong at the moment. What got number one this week? One. At Bretto Shank. Hashtag grab a mirror. Any cowardly Eels fan who hasn't already got their 2020 Premier's tat. Embrace the hype, you soft cocks, and let Moses and the King lead you to the promised land. Hashtag 34 years ain't that long. I totally agree. We all want you to go grab a mirror. If 
you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. NRL Round Preview brought to you by Bluebet. Bet Australian, bet with Bluey at bluebet.com.au or download the app today. Yes, it's round three. It's finally here, Sid. Finally here. We're going to preview round three, and as we always do, we're going to bring a bloke in, and he, of course, is... It's Andrew Ferguson from RugbyLeagueProject.org. You can find him on Twitter at Andrew RLP or listen to his podcast, Fergo and the Freak Brother. How are you travelling? Well, good. Thanks, guys. Yourself? Good. Uh, are you excited? Any tales from the shitter today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw a bloke there today and he's uh, at the trough and he's pulled his shirt all the way up. He's almost exposing a bit of nipple and I'm thinking, <laughs> man, you've got some bad control if you've got to go that far. <laughs> Hung like a rogue elephant. <laughs> Although, is there anything worse than pissing with a stiffy in the middle of the night? They could go anywhere. That. Um, all right. Well, we start on Thursday night. The Broncos are taking on the Eels. It's a dollar eighty-five the Bronx, and it's a dollar ninety-five the Eels. What do the stats say, mate? Uh, it's been two hundred and seventy-two days since the Broncos last scored a point against Parramatta, which is equivalent to four thousand eight hundred ninety-six games of rugby league. Wow. Because they got wiped out last year in the in the first Absolutely round. Absolutely flogged. Who do you like, mate? Uh, I'm going with Parramatta. Mate, they're my tip for the whole competition. But uh, this week, Broncos, a rare Thursday night game. <laughs> uh, I'm going the Broncos to topple the Eels. Yeah, that makes sense with your big tip for the year. Uh, I'm going the Eels uh, just, just, but not, not with any confidence. Um, also on – no – on Friday night, I should say, North Queensland Cowboys take on what a blockbuster! Take on the Gold Coast <laughs> Titans. Uh, it's up there in North Queensland at Kissing Cousins Stadium. What's Bluebet got? Uh, Bluebet have a dollar thirty-two the Cowboys and three dollars thirty the Titans. What are the stats saying here, Andrew? Uh, the last time the Titans won a game in Townsville was in 2012 when AJ Brimson was just 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and on that alone, you'll be taking the dollar thirty-two Bluebet offering. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with the Cowboys here. I'm going an upset. I'm going the Titans to uh, just pip the North Queensland Cowboys. And you know what I base that on? Nothing. Well, I don't know what I'm basing that on. They're three dollars thirty with Blue Bet. Oh, that's not going to be part of my rough punt because we'd be out by Friday <laughs> night. But that's going to be my rough tip in the NRL tipping comp. You're an idiot. Yeah. Um, the, the other game on – well, I'll be going Cowboys and other news. Uh, the other game on Friday night is the blockbuster. It's the Sydney Roosters. They take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs in front of about uh, 30,000 empty seats at Parramatta. Uh, the Roosters are paying $1.36 with Blue Bet. South Sydney Rabbitohs are paying $3.05. Uh, Andrew, what are the stats saying? Uh, the last time the Roosters beat South in a round three clash was in 1957. Yeah, well, yeah. Unfortunately, there's a duck about to be broken. What are you thinking, mate? Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards South, and that's with no confidence and with no real justification why. I'm going the Roosters, and I think they will beat them by 13 plus. Yeah, I'm not not sold on the uh, the bunnies. I think they're in a world of pain for a little while. Uh, no forwards, and some of their backs are uh, might be missing for a little while. Although, hell of a motorbike rider. Um, 
On Saturday, the New Zealand Warriors will take on the St. George... Tamworth Warriors. <laughs> the Tamworth Warriors take on the St. George Illawarra Dragons. And they're doing that... Where are they doing that up? Sit up at... Um, uh, where would that one be? Single Mother Stadium. <laughs> yep, that's where that one on is. On the Central Coast. Uh, Blue Bat have the Warriors at $2.35. They have the Dragons at $1.58. Andrew, stats. Stephen Kearney has won his last three games as coach against Paul McGregor. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what an indictment a... on Mary. That is <laughs> what a poor reflection. <laughs> He's got a 41% winning record at the Warriors. <laughs> He's still better than He's Mary. He's on three on the trot. That's awesome. Um, That's a great stat. Who are you backing, mate? I'm going, I'm, I reckon Kearney's going to keep the run going just for the hell of it. Oh, the, the Tamworth Warriors. Me too. I'm backing the Tamworth Warriors. Not because I'm so stoked that they've kept the dream alive, because I think St. George suck. Yeah, no, this, this one ref rule is really going to suit the Dragons, according to yeah, Mary. Yeah, that's what he reckons. That's good enough for me. If Mary says they're going to win, they're going to win. So I'm going to back the Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and let's face it, in the last eight weeks, they would have had time to practice defending from tries from kicks. Let's hope so. No, let's hope the first four tries are from kicks, all from the Warriors. Uh, the next game, well, this is the blockbuster to end all blockbusters. Certainly is. You've got a very clean and uh, wholesome living team versus, well, one with a dubious past. The Cronulla Sharks, dubious. Um, <laughs> they are paying a dollar sixty-five with Bluebet. Wonder they how take, much that'll blow out. They're taking everyone's second team, the West Tigers, at two dollars twenty. Completely clean, completely natural. Uh, Andrew, what are the stats saying? Uh, the last time the Sharks had a drug scandal at the club was in 2014, and in that year, they lost both their games to the West Tigers, the first of which was also in May. Yeah, it's an omen. <laughs> this is good news. Who are you backing, mate? Tigers all the way. Yeah, I'll go to the Tigers. If you can still get $2.20, which I doubt right now, but if you can, get as much as you can on. Sell your mum's house, do whatever you've got to do. But Yes. They will win the Take Tigers. Take it from me, a master tipster. <laughs> Plunge everything on the Tigers. <laughs> Uh, the other game uh, on Saturday. No one really cares what the other game is, but go on. Well, it's, well it'll be an interesting game anyway. Let's be honest. Uh, the Melbourne Storm are taking on the Canberra Raiders. Now, it's going to be a cracking game. According to Bluebet, the Storm are $1.60. The Raiders are $2.30. These are always good games between Bellamy and uh, uh, Stewart. Andrew, what are the stats saying? On game day, it will have been 672 days since the Storm last beat the Raiders at Amy Park. Ooh. Interesting. A couple of years. Um, What are you thinking, mate? I reckon the Storm will break that run. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Belly Ache always gets them up for the first round. I'm taking this as being a first round. They've had an extra preseason. The Storm will get home only just. I reckon this will be a great game. Uh, The other, or one of the other games on, sorry, no, the first game on Sunday is the Penrith Panthers uh, we'll play the Newcastle Knights at TikTok Stadium. Uh, it's $1.68, <laughs> the Panthers at Bluebet, with Bluebet, and it's uh, $2.15 with Bluebet, the Newcastle Knights. Stats, Andrew? These two sides have played 49 times since 1988 and average a combined total of 40.4 points per game. Mm. Overs. Uh, what are you thinking, mate? I'm going the Knights. Yeah, I'm going the Knights. Yeah, I'm going the Knights as well. Um, I think without their um, internet sensation and social media star, I don't think they can do it. Um, and the final game for the round, round three. God, let's get through it. Uh, Manly Seagulls, they are $1.32 with Blue Bet against the hapless Bulldogs at a $3.30, the rebuilding Bulldogs. Um, Andrew, surely nothing, nothing to say that um, the dogs can win, is there? 
Manly haven't won a game on May 31 since 1980. Even Mitch Moses has won a game on May 31 since then. <laughs> but surely, mate, surely. I'm going with Manly. Yeah, I'm going with Manly as well. You could not go with Manly. I think it might be a very long season for the dogs. That's a scoop for everyone. So there's all our tips. Can I do me rough punt? Well, you do your rough punts. Here. Let's do it. So, I'm leaving the Titans at $3.30 out of it, but that's a good bet. That's <laughs> no, not. We don't want to be all out by Thursday night, though, or Friday, whenever <laughs> it is. I'm going the Roosters at 13 plus at about $2.50 into the Tigers to beat the Cheats, Drug Cheats, <laughs> Scourge of the NRL, the Sharks, uh, Tigers to win only $2.15 into the Knights to upset the Panthers, $2.22. And I'm taking Manly. Uh, minus seven and a half. They're offering a dollar ninety with Bluebet for the grand total of about twenty two dollars sixty seven. So get on that with Bluebet.com.au. Bet with Bet with Bluey at Bluebet.com.au. Download the app today, Andrew. We thank you very much. Um, the Patreon is still on Rugby League Project. Uh, you, you're looking for around two thousand dollars a month. You're telling me the other day. <laughs> yeah, if I can get to two grand a month, I can. You know. Work on the uh, the website full time and get around to finishing all the books I'm supposed to write and all that sort of stuff. Do you have OnlyFans? And do you, that's what I was going to say. You're going to do you're going to do one episode of your podcast as a vodcast nude. You were saying if you get to two thousand a month. Well, if if that's what the people want, they must be just absolutely sick. But you know. Well, apparently there's a um, bloke who pulls his shirt up to his nipples that wants it all all day. He said so. <laughs> mate, there we'll, you go. We'll talk to you next week. Go the Tigers. Thanks for joining us. Uh, have a safe week at work and, um, well, just have a, have a decent time. Go the uh, Tigers. We love you. All right, Sid, it's time for this. Love the sound. Open the sound. Empty the sound. The boy is sad. Boys sack mail and feedback time. Don't forget the tipping coppers back on just like the footy. And, of course, I'm still equal first. You are equal first. Sixth in the Tigers in the whole of the country, maybe the world. Um, <laughs> but also the full career of the boys uh, competition. If you're looking for the codes, uh, we'll put them up. But if not, look for Ben McLeod's uh, Twitter account. He's got all the uh, codes for the um, tipping comp. Now, iTunes review, Sid. There's yeah, been we've had a couple. A couple of new ones. One Thank you for that. From the Big Falou, who uh, features regularly in um, Grab a Mirrors. Uh, I'll just read it out. It's five stars. The perfect podcast for the domestic goddess. This is a terrific podcast for the little lady. <laughs> if you want advice on recipes, interior design, or knitting patterns, I couldn't recommend this podcast highly enough. Often on a Sunday morning, we sit in a conservatory with a nice cup of tea and listen in. Mr. Punt's advice for growing flowers from bulbs was so enthralling that Lady Falou had won the servant's fetch, the fountain pen and some paper from the bureau so she could take some notes from our gardener. Uh, Mr. Legend, whilst seemingly having an array of colourful friends, must be very well connected to have knowledge of so many remarkable stories from overseas. We think he must have contacts in the foreign office from his old regiment days. Anyhow, I recommend you all grab your ear trumpet, slide up closer to the radiogram, and make sure make use of your day by learning something new. Bravo, chaps. Very good. Thank you, Big Falou. <laughs> 
I'm not sure you've got the right podcast, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and the other one comes from John Dooley, 05. Uh, he says, five stars, my Ikea couch smells funny. <laughs> Great podcast, but I miss some of the jokes. Was busy sniffing my brand new Ikea couch, trying to f- work out where the smell was coming from. Something fishy. Well, they're completely different reviews, but thank you to both of you, John Dooley and Big Follow. Now, we've got to thank Neil Breen. We've got to thank Patrick Skeen. Yes, it's a fantastic book, The Big O. Yeah, get Go it. Go and get it. It's a great read. It is a really good read. We might give one of those away. We definitely are. This week, we're going to give one to a lucky member. And thanks again to everyone who's buying membership packs. It keeps my debt collectors at the door. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we need to do before we get out of here? I don't think so. This has been a super bumper mega episode. It's gone for ages. Mm. We hope you've enjoyed it. Well... As we always end uh, the show in the same way, this week I'm going to say, on your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance for pro, I know you know. I go psycho with my new joint hit. Just can't sit, got to get jiggy with it. That's it. Good night. Good night. I got to know what you're doing with me. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance for pro, I know you know. I feel psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit, gotta get jiggy with it. That's it, now, honey, honey, come on. Am I gonna see some man?